What's good, and welcome to episode 12 of the Helmets, Hoops, and Homies podcast. I'm Matthew Garcia, here with my co-host and homie, the Hoops guru, Patrick Moore. What's good, P. Moore? What up, homie? How are you doing today? I'm all right, my guy. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, we're coming off a pretty crazy week in sports, so my, my blood's pumping. My adrenaline's rushing. I'm ready to uh, I'm ready to go into guru mode um, in in this app. We've got we've got a whole lot to cover today, so uh, I'm pretty pumped. Yeah, we got a we got a packed show, so we're gonna ho- go ahead and uh, get into it. So we'll do our uh, I guess you could say our ceremonial pop the top here. Yeah. So I got a I got my usual you know uh, I got a ginger ale zero you know because I'm um, I'm a boring like that. So <laughs> what about you, homie? Yeah, I'm I'm drinking a uh, it's called a face down brown uh, ale from Telluride Brewing Company. It's got a picture of a guy skiing laying face down in the snow. He looks like me nice. when I. I like I like that can. It's got like the yellow and black stripe. Yeah, I like that. it's got like your Rocky Mountain sunset yeah. colors yeah. on it. It's almost there. like a it's almost like like a bumblebee looking thing. I like that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty All cool. Right. So yeah. All right, All right. you want to want to pop? Let's, them let's get it popping. All right, cheers. All right, so. Uh, this is episode 12, so this is our TB12 episode. Uh, we're going to do a, a thing where just really quickly we'll just name a couple famous uh, athletes from Hoops and Pigskin who have the number of the episodes that we're doing. Unfortunately, the 1 through 11s, we apologize, but I didn't even <laughs> like think of this until today, literally today. <laughs> so my bad to all of you. You're all amazing, though. So, But um, TB12, obviously Tom Brady is the greatest number 12 in the sports period, you could say. Um, but if you look at the uh, the number 12s quarterbacks for for football, it's just crazy how many Hall of Famers or potential or future Hall of Famers are guys who should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, or number 12, like me and me and uh, me and Pat were talking about the list, and it was just crazy. Like even so many legends wore number 12, but uh, Tom Brady, I think, will always be the most famous 12. Um, so so that's he's our uh, he's our pigskin pick. And then for hoops, um, twelve wasn't as many great twelves as it was in football, so we went with the uh, the greatest assist man of all time, John Stockton, uh, who wore shorty shorts. We love the shorty shorts, John Stockton. Uh, they went out with him, but apparently they're making a comeback, so we'll see. So we went shorty yeah. shorts, John Stockton, and current guys. We went with uh, uh, John Morant, Jalapeno, because he's fire. He turned when he dunks on you, you're a jabroni. So, <laughs> and uh, my guy. Uh, top-notch Toby, Tobias Harris, the Toby bag. You know, he has a little tiny goldfish crackers bag, Toby bag. So <laughs> top-notch Toby, Tobias Harris is also number 12. And there are some other ones too, but that's who we went with. So uh, let's go ahead and kick it off with uh, with kicking it. So we're going to do like a, our Super Bowl recap. Uh, it was a crazy uh, it was a crazy week in the media. So I don't think we're going to go uh, as in-depth because it's, at this point, especially with it being Wednesday, uh, after Super Bowl was a few days ago, it's like, what else can you really say that hasn't really been said on podcasts, shows, whatever? So we're just gonna give our personal thoughts on it, and not so much of a a really deep dive analysis. And then we'll give our thoughts real quick about the season as a whole uh, before we move on to our next segment. So uh, I'm gonna kick it to uh, to Pat. Pat, what, what was your your thoughts initially on the Super Bowl? Anywhere you want to go with it, and we'll, your thoughts also on the. Uh, the halftime show real quick too sure yeah on the game itself i don't know i i you know i thought it was kind of boring to, to be honest with you um 
I don't know. I was kind of hoping for a shootout in this one, you know, like lots of like Jamar Chase versus Cooper Cup, Stafford throwing a lot, Joe Burrow throwing a lot, but it really ended up being more of a defensive battle for most of the game. Um, I'm happy it was exciting at the end, like that, you know, I, I some Super Bowls, you know, are, are blowouts and like by the fourth quarter, I'm kind of just like, all right, I'm like kind of ready to turn this off. Um, but this one was at least exciting at the end, even though my my team I was rooting for didn't win. Um, some pretty bad officiating, I thought, um, on both sides. Um, that that was not great and kind of took some attention away from where it should have been. Um, but you did see some like really good high level play from some really good players. Um, so some, some good receiver games, but you know, overall, it's not really one that's all that memorable to be honest with you. Um, you know, I'm not, this one's not going to be one that sticks out. It's like one of my favorites or anything. That being said, the Super Bowl halftime show was maybe one of my favorites I've seen in a while. Um, I think it was dope. They finally had a hip hop halftime show, which is like been one of the most culturally relevant genres of music in our country for the last 30 years. Took long enough um, on that one. And I really liked all the rappers who were featured. Like I'm a big, I'm a huge Kendrick Lamar fan, love Snoop Dogg, love Dr. Dre, love Eminem, uh, Mary J. Blige. All that was great. Um, I thought that, the kind of set they had was kind of weird. Like it would look like a train, like a series of train cars or something. Um, but I did, I thought the music was good. I mean, the sound never sounds great on those, but I thought the performances were cool. I love seeing Snoop Dogg out there. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, I think overall I enjoyed myself during the game. I ordered some, uh, some barbecue, uh, you know, got me a case of uh, cold ones, uh, you know, sat back, me and Kirsten watched. Uh, my my girlfriend, she was making fun of Chris Collinsworth the whole time, which I really enjoyed. <laughs> well, Al, yeah, Al, does, this guy, though, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who doesn't make yeah. fun of Chris Collinsworth? He is. Uh, yeah. To think, like, I was I was telling somebody, yo, they went from the greatest color commentator in all of sports probably ever with Madden yeah. to Collinsworth. Collinsworth. And I, and I I'm trying to think exactly what I said, but I said something to the effect of, "You want to talk about falling off a cliff?" That's what you did. <laughs> yeah. Madden to Collinsworth. Hey, like, I don't know. Maybe some people some people must like him, bro, because he's been on there for a long time. Because Madden retired I, in 09. So he's football, been on there for well over a decade. The football commentary stuff, to be just completely frank with you, homie, they're not good. Like, the bas- basketball, it's a little more inconsistent because you have so many more crews. But I just – I don't love any of the, the football crews, really. I mean, I was telling you, like, my favorite is, is Aikman and Buck. And you were like, oh, Deuce hates Aikman. Like, there yeah, doesn't Deuce seem doesn't to like be Aikman. any consensus. And, you know, a lot of people really like Romo. But, like, you you oh, you I don't like Romo at all. You and like him way more. I'm, I'm, like, that, so. I'm lukewarm on him. Like, I think he's entertaining. Like, he's kind of goofy and funny. But, like, I don't think he's a really good – color commentator because like he's just too all over the place a lot of the time so um yeah and he doesn't have the great bro- best broadcasting voice as we've uh, pointed out yeah, yeah. um so but yeah, our, our nickname know. we have for him yeah um yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> so uh yeah uh i think that uh for me probably my favorites uh i like uh 
it was interesting when I found out that uh, Ian Eagle, I thought it was Ian Eagle for a long, long time. Yeah, I, actually Ian, heard him, Ian, I actually heard him say his name. I'm like, wow, it's Ian Eagle. Okay. Uh-huh. Him and Charles Davis, I like a lot. And yeah, uh, they're good. Group. Charles Davis yeah. does the Madden games, uh, the newer ones, at least he's been doing them. I like Charles Davis a lot. I think he's, I think he's a great, uh, a great color, uh, color guy. And I like, I like Akib Talib, but I haven't really mm-hmm. heard him. I didn't hear no, him they... not once this year, which he was on there a lot last year. And I just like I keep telling because it, it doesn't sound like anything else you're gonna hear. Like I kind of mm-hmm. told you, like the thing I like about I keep telling before we you know get off on a, a, com- a commentary uh, <laughs> tangent here is that uh, I don't know, bro. He just he just keeps it real. You know what I mean? Like he just seems like a real. He's just a real one. Like when you hear him talk, like it feels like like me and you are like, right now. We're just talking, shooting the breeze about you know sports, and it feels like that's like how it is with him. Like if if me and you were to hang out with him, he would be talking the same way that he is on TV. And I just really respect dudes like that. Like I understand, like especially with football, hoops is not so much like that. There's a lot more flavor in hoops, but with with football, it's like really buttoned up, like yeah. literally and figuratively. Oh. So like I like that. I keep telling like, yo, I'm just I'm just gonna be me, and if you don't like yeah. that, is what it is. So I do really respect that from him. So, yeah. um, yeah. But for me, yeah, Collinsworth, eh. uh, I thought it was interesting that the, the Bengals were playing and he was on the team last time they made the Super Bowl. So I thought, I mean, I was, yeah, I was trying was to listen. Yeah. I was trying to listen to see if he was going to be like more, like if he was going to be excited when they scored or something. But I didn't really get anything. But uh, Al Michaels is great. Uh, he's he's yeah, a, Michaels great, is a, has a great voice. Yeah. yeah so yeah. Uh, Michaels is great. Yeah, can't I can't throw shade on him. Just uh, Collinsworth. But yeah, I agree with you about the game though, my guy. Like it was. Uh, if I had to rate it, I probably go like a five out of ten. It was it was average to boring, yeah. like you said. Like our team, um, our team that we're rooting for didn't win, which is fine. It is what it is. Uh, it wasn't one of those things where we're going to be devastated. It is what it is, right? Um, but uh, they, they, you know, they put up a good fight. But at the end of the day, it just wasn't that exciting of a game. And I even said that during our, our last episode last week that uh, it wasn't really a game that I was like, I can't wait for. There's been Super Bowls like, man, I can't wait. Obviously, yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't wait for the uh, the uh, the 07 Super Bowl. Whereas undefeated Pats against the G-Men, that one was when I was like, man, I can't wait. Obviously, the Bears in 06, even though they lost to Peyton and the Colts, I couldn't wait. This is hometown team. But there's there's been good ones, too. Uh, uh, even just the Tom Brady one last year, I think, just because of the storyline of can he go there in the first year, yeah. you know what I mean, with the pandemic and win a Super Bowl. So that one was, I think this had a better storyline. But uh, the game, like you said, a lot of defense. Uh, I will say that... Uh, the Cincy D is legit, man. It's, yeah. it's a legit D. Like, uh, they played their hearts out, and I think I give a lot of love and props to to uh, Lou Anarumo, who's their 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 D coordinator. I think he's I think he's he should be. Uh, I think he should be, uh, if not next year, maybe the year after. I think he might be getting some head coaching calls if they play this well again next year. He might get some interviews because they played great. Um, yeah, and and. They don't have a lot of huge names, you know what I mean? They got some guys here and there, but they don't have a lot of, you know, superstars, but they're a great unit. And I think that's indicative of a good coach, which we're going to talk about one of our segments, coaching. Yeah. So I like that. And then just um, to me, I don't know if you felt this way, but to me it felt like it was more like the Bengals lost the game than the Curly Horns won it. And I was saying that uh, I want to say the Bengals had at least least four, maybe more drives where they – had to put points on the board and they did not so it was like the defense makes a stop they don't score defense makes a stop they don't score i'm like and i was saying i'm like yo they gotta score some points you have to put points on the board because i said 
your D is not going to hold this team off forever because all it takes, and I said all it takes, no matter how good your defense is, is one big play and you're done. And that's just the way defense is in, in, in the NFL, which which bothers me, especially we saw this a lot in the playoffs. D just get, they just get cooked, man, because it's like the rules and everything is slanted to make the offense better and to make them, you know, more effective. And that's the way it is. And like you could say, oh, well, the Bengals gave up that thing and with the, you know, the whole holding call, which I think was a BS call. It was, I don't know, it was something really weird to me where I just feel like you, you call you, you call it pretty loose the whole game. And then when it looks like the curly horns were probably going to lose, then you start calling it real tight. I don't know. It was weird to me. I'm not saying it was a conspiracy or anything. I feel it was more like the, the refs just panicked. You know what I mean? It, but it, that was a horrible call. Was it technically holding? I guess, but if you're going by what they what they did not call the whole no three and a half quarters or more more than that, it was not. It was barely a hold. If it was a hold, I think it was a horrible call. But right. uh, yeah. do you mean the hold? Which which hold the one on uh, on uh, Apple on on Cup? Or, yeah, or, no, the or one, was the it, one on Bell? it was Logan um, Wilson. Oh, the Logan Wilson one, right? The Logan right, Wilson yeah. one that it was it was third down. He he swats the pass down. Yeah. And it would have been fourth down. It would have been, okay, this is it. Either they get it or they don't get it, which I think the Bengals would have stopped them. So it was from the eight, I want to say. I think they would have stopped them probably. But uh, that one was a bad call. So, yeah, the officiating was not very good. And I think that's uh, – it's unfortunate because that's two games that the Bengals were involved where it was bad officiating. You could even say the, the, the Raiders game yeah. was bad officiating. So that's just that's just bad luck. And it, but, it was uh, it was three in a row, three penalties in a row. Like Yeah, it was it was, it was – like I said, they just – they panicked. They really did, yeah. and we see this in hoops too. Sometimes where refs panic when when the game's tight, like down the line to just call like phantom foul calls. Sometimes on guys, they panic, bro. That's pretty what it is. Uh, but I mean, uh, at the end of the day, I put this loss on uh, the Bengals' offense. Just could not get it done. They really couldn't. Yeah. They couldn't even put up a field goal. They had four or five drives and they can't score a field goal. That's that's you're not going to win. We we know the Super Bowl too too well. Lead, no lead is safe in the Super Bowl. It's just not. I mean, look at you know the twenty-eight to three is the most popular one, but anything, you gotta you gotta put a team away. You gotta put them away early, because if you let them hang around, especially a team with with you know talent like the Curly Horns, they're gonna cook you, and that's what Cooper Cup did. Um, so, I mean, it's what it is. Stafford didn't play very good. Deuce was uh, saying he's he's just texting us Stafford gonna Stafford because he you know he said that in our show when he was on there. That he doesn't mm-hmm. trust him, and he didn't play very well. Like, I mean, you can say like, "Oh, it worked out because we won the, we won the Super Bowl." You didn't win the Super Bowl because of Matthew, because of excuse me, John Matthew Stafford. Uh, you didn't win the Super Bowl because of John Matthew Stafford. I'm sorry to tell you, like, I just I just don't think so. No, I, I think you won, he you didn't won really the, do that well. You won the Super Bowl because of one guy, in my opinion, Cooper, Cup. and that's Cooper Cup, Cooper, who Cup. is who is legendary. You can, you can say what awesome. you want about Aaron Donald, yeah. But if Cooper Cup doesn't make plays, Aaron Donald's plays are irrelevant because Aaron Donald was their their offense. Like I said, it just it came came down to me is just Bengals offense ineptitude. Uh, but we'll just leave it at that. It, it was you know it was disappointing. Burrow didn't get it done when he had to get it done. Like I said, so I put that on him. He gets a lot. I always put it on the QBs. They get yeah. tons of praise when they win. Oh, he's got ice in his veins, which I think he's going to be a phenomenal player, and I really like him. And you love him, and I wish him all the best. And I I want to see him, you know, win a Super Bowl. I do. But he didn't play very well. But it's his first one. I mean, it is what it is. It would have been nice to see a team that's uh, – we always like to root for the underdog. We like to see teams that have never won titles win a title. You know what I mean? So, But it is what it is. 
uh, congrats to the Curly Horns. Uh, they 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 toughed it out and they did it right. It's all yeah. it comes down to is when they had to make a play, they did. So congrats to the Curly Horns. I'm not throwing any shade on them at all. They did what they had to do. And the halftime show, uh, I feel like I'm probably in the minority with this one. But if I had to rate that, I'd probably give it like a seven. And I feel it's a generous seven from me just because. Um, and it's not like a you know an age gap thing because a lot of the the songs that they were they were performing that was like the hip hop of our generation. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously you had you know uh, nothing but a G thing they they did, and they had you know Still Dre from the from his album his second album, uh, two thousand one, mm-hmm. uh, next episode. You know what I mean? They, those songs that we I heard on the radio two thousand times. I'm sure you did too over and over and over and over. Yeah, and of course Eminem Lose Yourself, which is from Eight Mile. Which is when you know me and you were, were were in you know middle school, junior high, whatever. Yeah, that was our soundtrack right there. And fifth, even fifties, uh, uh, in the club that we grew up with that music. Oh so, yeah, I, don't know. I forgot fifty. And yeah, fifty was there in the club. Yeah, I forgot that. Uh, and he came in know. upside down like the video. Yeah, he like, came upside down. Yeah, yeah. I, I just feel like um, the thing with me is that my favorite parts was the the Dre and Snoop parts. I thought were the best parts. Yeah. I mean, so, I, I mean, Snoop Doggy Dog. He he still got that swag, man. He was doing his, uh, he was dancing, he was doing his crip walk on there, and you know, I love that. He's a uh, he's dope. He's just got swag for he's got swag for days, Snoop. So uh, and Dre, you know, Dre was doing his thing. So I like that. The California love thing was interesting. I thought it was cool. Yeah. But uh, I, I don't know. I I, I don't want to like the Kendrick. I'm not a huge Kendrick Lamar guy. I like some of his songs, but to me, I always feel like this is just a personal opinion. I think he's a good rapper, but I like him more as a feature than as a, as his own as a Ooh. solo guy. I like his features better um, than his solo stuff, and we've talked about that too about albums and stuff like that. I like his feature stuff better. And uh, Mary J. Blige, I don't know, like she has a nice voice. She does, because um, I mean, it, you know, you know that I love to sing, so singing is one of my favorite things ever, and R and B and stuff like that. So like, um, she has a very nice voice, like a really good song. If you haven't heard it, for our listeners too. It's probably heard it because Eminem had a, a Nick Cannon diss on there, but uh, Lord Above with Fat Joe, yeah, <laughs> yeah well, this is Fat on the Fat Joe album. That is a dope song, dope hook by Mary J. Blige. I mean, at the end of the song, she has a great run there too. So I don't know. She just she sounded like she was sick to me. It sounded like her voice was maybe it was hoarse. I don't know. It just yeah. just to me, it sounded like she was a little. It wasn't there. Like she didn't have the power because she has a powerful voice. You know what I mean? Especially when you listen to like her breakthrough album, she has a real powerful voice, and it just sounded to me like she was sick. I will say the boots that she was wearing were pretty dope. They were almost yeah. pants. They were so high, yeah, and that made they were, me like, and they were really shiny. Yeah, they were yeah. so high. They're almost pants. So that was pretty dope. But uh, yeah, I was disappointed <laughs> with her part and the Kendrick Lamar part. And um, I mean, I love to see you know you know uh, people of color, you know, colored musicians do their thing. I just felt like. It was. I feel like it was a little overhyped for me for what we got, and so I was a little disappointed. Like it, it should probably. I should probably give it a six, but because of nostalgia, you know, what I mean, I, I love Snoop Doggy Dog. Slim Shady is in my top five ever favorite rappers, so I'm a huge Slim Shady guy. His part was pretty dope. Those are the best parts. I feel like the Kendrick Lamar and the the Mary the Mary parts were were kind of lacked it for me. Even this like even this like the the whole. The dancing with the Kendrick Lamar thing and stuff like that. Maybe I just don't get it. I don't really listen to a lot of contemporary hip hop, so I wasn't really familiar with it. So like, I don't know. That's just how I feel about it. Like, I mean, if people loved it, I'm happy for that. It was good to see it. 
and it was good to see, you know, get hip hop, you know what I mean, for, for stuff like that. But I'm the type of dude where like, I'm not really the biggest fan of, of going to a hip hop concert just because I feel like it's more like them talking. Because hip hop is a lot of like, it's, you know, it's wordplay, it's talking. Whereas with singing, they're actually like, they're singing, they're, they're altering their voice and things of that nature. So I feel like it, tra- it it's um, it's better to watch from a, for a, as a live thing than hip hop is to me. Hip hop to yeah. me is better to listen to on the album and sing and and like if they're a singer R and B or whatever, it's better to go to listen to them live. You know what I mean? But that's just a personal preference. But it was seven. I thought it was cool. Uh, it was last year's was awful to me. That was probably the worst one I've ever seen. The only one worse than last year's to me, off the top of my head, was the Coldplay one. That one was pretty awful too. Yeah, that, that was atrocious. So, yeah. but I mean, so it was better than last year. But you couldn't get much worse. But I mean, it was cool. I'm happy to see it. I hope they do some more stuff like that in the future. But uh, yeah, that's just me. I'm probably in the minority with that. But it is what it is. But uh, I liked it for what it was. I just I want I was hoping it would be better. You know what I mean? Yeah, the Super Bowl halftime shows are weird because like the sound is always kind of weird because right like they have to bring all this stuff out onto a field. Um, I agree with you on hip hop shows. Like they're very hit or miss. Like you can you can go to a. a a really, really like one of my one of the best hip hop shows I ever saw actually was Snoop Dogg, but then like there there are others who just it doesn't translate to a lot maybe because it's like you know they're playing a track and like maybe it's not coming through the speakers in a way that sounds good um, or or something like that and you know I I kind of tend to agree with you um, but like I think for a Super Bowl halftime show it was pretty good like as good as it's gonna get like to me there's two legendary super bowl halftime shows it, it, from my memory and it was prince and tom petty those are the two to me that were like far and away above the rest and the rest are all just kind of like mad to me uh my favorite one is i was actually gonna ask you what's your favorite one my favorite one is uh bruno mars and uh, red hot chili peppers red hot chili peppers is um, my favorite band of all time after Queen or with Queen, you could say it's maybe tied. I love Queen, but uh, which would be a dope halftime show to get Queen to do it would be fantastic. But um, so I love the Peppers and I love Bruno Mars is one of my favorite artists. He's, I think he's phenomenal. Uh, and he that, that was great. But uh, I also remember uh, the uh, the Janet Jackson. Uh, oh yeah, JT that. one. I remember that. I watched yeah. that one live. That was, That's the infamous yeah. one for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. I mean, there's been some. Most of them, are, when I think of halftime shows, they're usually pretty bad. Yeah, they usually stink. That's what I, I mean, they're usually that. stinkers. Yeah. There's more stinkers than good ones. But the Bruno Mars one was my favorite. Obviously, people went crazy for the Beyonce one. I remember the one that we watched together. That uh, that Patriots Falcon Super Bowl was Lady Gaga. I remember was was yeah, the halftime show. Was- I think okay. that one was okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, your, your partner liked it more than we did. Um, yeah. I was like, it's okay, but she was she was hyped. I mean, that was cool. But uh, yeah, it was it was better than most of them for sure, and uh, mm. like I said, way better than last year. Yeah. So, uh, any thoughts on the Super Bowl before we move over to just uh, our really quick uh, thoughts on the season? My only final thought is I think it was pretty fitting that the game ended with Joe Burrow getting sacked. Just like he's gotten he's gotten killed, um, yeah. really since he started in the league, and I think everyone knows what the Bengals are trying to prove <laughs> this offseason. But I just thought that was kind of, you know, as as much as it hurt to watch that for me, because since I love Joe Burrow, I was like, yeah, 
this is pretty fitting. Like no one on that offensive line can stop Aaron Donald. Like, you know, like, yeah. So, yeah. It was just uh, to, to transition to this, our season thoughts real quick. Um, it felt, well, first of all, like I, his, if you look at his face after he didn't make a play on that fourth down, like if you want to talk about like the epitome of human anguish, look at yeah. Joe Burrow's face when he's walking off the field, he looks absolutely devastated. Like you can tell this dude just, you know, he puts it all out there and that's what we love to see. Right. He's that type of dude. So, and you see, I say the same thing for our guy, big trust. Look at him when the look at him when he doesn't make a play because he knows he can do it. He's distraught, man. So like I felt really bad. I wanted to see him win. It would have been a fantastic story for a team to come out of nowhere. You know what I mean? And do what they did. But it is what it is. So uh, we're gonna actually give our uh, a team that we that we think that or a team that didn't make the playoffs this past year that we think could do what the Bengals did and maybe either go to the Super Bowl or even win it all. So really quick, my thoughts on the season as a whole before we, we get to yours and have you give your team is uh, it was fitting to me that the game was kind of a stinker because to me the, the, the season was a stinker as a whole. I didn't really care for it. And to be real with you, like I'm, I'm kind of glad it's over to an extent. <laughs> like it, it's like because I, 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 it can't it can only go up from here. You feel me? So like I'm hoping that next year is going to be better. But I don't know. It was just something about the vibe. Like we had so many weeks. And we said this, this is not just because, you know, no team that we love was in the Super Bowl or they didn't win. It's not that. It's just like this was like even during the regular seasons. We had so many more weeks where like, man, that was a stinker week. You know what I mean? We said yeah. that so many times. Like, man, this week stunk. Man, this week stunk. And it was like a broken record. And it just felt like that. It kind of it went into the playoffs as well. It was just like, eh, man, this, this season just hasn't been very good, especially when we're comparing it with, you know, hoops, which has been phenomenal so far. Like, I don't care who wins the finals this year. This season has been so dope in the first half, and I'm hoping the second half is just as good. But, like, regardless of who wins the finals at this very moment, I'll say Hoops has been a thousand times better than Pickskin was this year, uh, which is a shame because last year was pretty good. I yeah. think last year was amazing because the Super Bowl was a blowout, even though, you know, for personal reasons, I was very, very happy to see <laughs> that, and I know you were too for personal reasons. But selfish reasons, we could say, or maybe not selfish reasons, depending on how you want to look at it. But uh, uh, it was it was a better season overall. I felt like that. We see, like the Ravens got their first win, stomping on the Tennessee logo. We saw the emergence of Stud Allen. They went to the championship game. They didn't win, but it was fine. It's like oh, we're like Buffalo's legit. Josh Allen is one of the best players in the league. So we saw that it was a lot of better storylines. You know what I mean? Tom, Tom Brady on a new team. Tom Brady on like, a new team. Yeah. They're going to the Super Bowl. There's so many storylines, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was just bad. It was a better season, personally. You know, I could people think I'm wrong. I, I feel you on that. We had a legendary so, Derrick Henry season last year. Yeah, Derrick Henry was, had, yeah. A, had a, a monster season. He went beast mode. Yep. And his season, he got hurt this year. So yeah, it was just I don't know. It just didn't have that same that same vibe to me. Yeah. So it seems fitting that it was kind of an average to a stinker game for a stinker season. Um, but yeah, what about you? And what are your thoughts on on the season? And then just. Uh, Who's a team that didn't make the playoffs this past year who you feel like could make a run like the Bengals did and either go to the Super Bowl or even win it all? Who's What about for that? Yeah. No, I, I pretty much agree with you on everything you said. Like, there aren't a ton of – the game that stands out to me as the best game of the year was the last game of the year, that, that Raiders-Chargers game, right? And even that, like, ended with – 
a bunch of terrible coaching decisions yeah. for and, all the know, wrong like, reasons you know, though for all, for the, all the wrong reasons, reasons. Again, it was a good game it was an interesting game but because you know ineptitude <laughs> yeah and so I, I don't know i agree with you like it, it just and you know some of this is like i'm less invested when the giants aren't good so i'll admit that but um you know they haven't been good for 10 years and i'm I still acknowledge yeah. that there there have been good really good seasons in there so um yeah no i agree with you i just I, I, by the time hoops started or like not by the time it started but like by the in, beginning of december end of november beginning of december i was kind of i was kind of over i was kind of over pigskin just to be honest with you like i was excited for the playoffs because i wanted to see what the bills would do and you know, I want to see if Tom Brady would make another run at it, yeah. and all that stuff. But like the the postseason kind of went down, kind of the way the season did. Now I think it's cool that the Bengals made it to the Super Bowl. Like that was that was a cool run. But you know, it, it just like kind of felt kind of just an extension of like a season where like not really a ton of stuff made sense to me. Like there were just so many like uncharacteristic blowouts teams losing like you know the titans who were the one seed lost to the texans lost to the jets right like it just didn't really make sense to me a lot of the time and i couldn't figure out who was for real who wasn't so yeah i mean i gotta agree with you if you if someone was a betting if someone was a betting person they probably lost a lot of money this year because there were so (laughs) many games that you're like what like like the bills lost to the jags the jags like dominated absolutely dominated the colts to keep them out of the playoffs. Yeah. yeah. Like, there's a lot of games. The Jets, you know, like I said, beat Tennessee. There's a lot of games where you're just like, wow, like that's that's crazy. So if you're a betting person, this was not your season, probably. I would guess. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. We, I don't I don't really get into we don't really get into the whole betting thing, but uh yeah. personally for us, but yeah, you probably lost money. Like uh dude uh a mattress smack bet like I don't know how many oh, like, yeah. million dollars <laughs> on, on the Bengals and yeah, they didn't get it done. But uh it would have been nice to just see the underdog team like we see this a lot it's a very it's a pretty common thread where like the team that's not really supposed to be there gets the championship but it just can't get it done yeah. you know what i mean it's, it kind of had that feel too like man it got so close but they couldn't get it done you know what i mean uh so i mean it is what it is so uh you could see a similar thing to maybe like uh miami when they went against la in hoops or like they weren't they were the five seed they weren't supposed to be there you know what i yeah, mean totally. and they didn't get it done so but uh, but yeah, man, that's enough about the, the Super Bowl and the season. But uh, who's a team that you think could uh, could be on the come up this this upcoming season? Yeah, this one might be like kind of a cheat code for me because they almost did make the playoffs. They were they had a winning record. The one to me that I can see copying what the Bengals did was is the Chargers, and there's there's one reason is like. So similarly, we've talked at, at length about this. The Chargers, like to me, are a cursed team. They're cursed. Don't, don't let like, them do you like that, homie. Don't dude, fall for it, man. Don't buy the, the hype. Don't fall the for Bengals, the Bengals. The Bengals were a cursed team. Don't fall for the too. hype, my guy. You told me. Uh, you told me this past season. Don't do it. I fell for it. You didn't. And what did they do? What did they do, man? They went from they the Chargers it. to the spark plugs, man. So, but here's the thing. The thing that. The reason the Bengals went to the Super Bowl is because they got incredible play out of their quarterback. 
they got incredible play out of their star receiver. They got um, their defense stepped up, a defense that maybe people didn't think was the best in the league. Their coach, um, I don't know anyone who's high on Zach Taylor that, coming into the season. And, you know, congrats on him. He He's done a, you know, did a great job throughout the playoffs. But, um, you know, similarly, like, people seem higher on Staley than they did on, on Taylor for whatever reason. Yeah, um, but for me, it's like they have a star young quarterback who I really think can be a different – can, like, go up against anyone um in in Herbert now I don't think he I think he's pretty close to Burrow I think like those two guys to me are like two of the best quarterback young quarterbacks in the league um and so they would be the one that I could see turning it around getting in as a wild card team and like making a run if if Herbert could be really good if some of those playmakers like Bosa or Derwin James can step up on defense and really like, you know, drive a, 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 a comeback. And yeah, the reason I picked them, like you said, don't fall for it, but that's, that's like the same thing with, you know, it's the same thing I would have said about the Bengals. Like, yeah, the last seven times I've seen this team, they've lost in the first round at some point, these curses break, like, you know, any Red Sox fan will tell you Cubs fans will tell you at some point it's got to break. And so I don't know. I I I bet on it happening for LA. I I just can't really picture many teams this year that didn't make it who have the upside that LA that the Chargers do. So that that's my pick. Um, that probably won't make the playoffs. And now that I've said that, and we'll probably like go like four and twelve or no, sorry, four, four and thirteen. 13 now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, that that's who I would pick. What about you? Oh man, I mean it's a good pick. I feel you on it. And I want to go with you on it, but I got burned. You got burned. And you, yeah. after you told me, I got burned. But you got burned. Yeah. It, it doesn't even have anything to do with that. It's just that the one thing I will say about the Chargers before I give my pick is that I mean Herbert's out of this world. He's going to be phenomenal. Their offense is is loaded. They have a great offense. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? From receivers to their their running backs, they're dope. But. uh they're very aggr- they're an aggressive team. They're willing to go for it and fourth and any distance from any any spot on the field. So I will say that they're a very aggressive team, and you know to a detriment most of the time. So I will give that they're an aggressive team. So I'll give them love for that. Uh, their coach, man, their coach is absolutely awful. Um, maybe he'll prove me wrong. You know what I mean? Maybe they'll make the playoffs and win a playoff game. If if they if they make the playoffs and win a playoff game, then I will I will back off of Brandon Staley, to be fair, because they should have made the playoffs this year. And we all know, like we said a thousand times, it would have been a lot more fun to watch KC Las Vegas in the first round than it was to watch KC what was left of Pittsburgh's offense. And Brandon Staley robbed everybody of that. And they robbed Justin Herbert of making the playoffs. Because who knows? Hey, you tell me they couldn't have got hot, right? Their offense can put up a lot of points. We saw that. They're explosive. I just, I just think Brandon Staley is an absolutely horrible coach. I would have canned him at the end of this year just because I think he's made so many moronic moves. I'm just not a fan. And if you, like we said, I don't want to go into the whole Staley thing, but you know I do not like him. He is, he is, I think he is an absolutely awful coach. And if people disagree, I feel you on that. I just I just, I go with the eye test on a lot of this. And there was just so many times this year where me and you were like, what is this guy doing? 
Is he just he's out of his mind? Yeah. So and I just don't I don't get the idea of you have a potent you have a Hall of Fame talent quarterback and you get a guy who's de- who's a who's a D coordinator and barely had any experience as a D coordinator to run your team. It doesn't make any sense to me. And they could have had Brian Dable last year. So they hired Brandon Staley over Brian Dable when you have Justin Herbert as your quarterback. And we'll get into that later, but it just blew my mind. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, I like, you know, I like Herbert. I think he's Herbie fully loaded. I think he's great. And, you know, you're a big Keenan Allen guy. Uh, Austin Eckler is, you know, great. He's a great story, I think, too, especially being a guy that wasn't really highly touted. Mm-hmm. Similar to Cooper Cup, right? Like, they just they weren't really highly touted. They, they're just great players. So I like that. But um, mine's is probably a, a cop-out, too, or a cheat, but – it just it just makes too much sense to me not to pick this team. Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Big Trust and Baltimore Ravens. Mm, uh, yeah, I have I got Big Trust in Baltimore. Um, I just think Lamar Jackson is he's too good not to make the playoffs two times in a row. He's just too good. And if he doesn't, if Baltimore misses the playoffs again next year, I don't care if everybody on the team goes on IR. I, I think Harbaugh might be in the hot seat. And John Harbaugh is one of my favorite coaches in the league. Huge fan of John Harbaugh. So this is not, you know, overreact time. But he got outcoached a lot this year, and we talked about it. He made a lot of bad decisions. He single-handedly lost them two games where he did not put it to overtime. You have the greatest kicker of all time on your team. Uh, you got to trust that your defense, I don't care how banged up they are, that maybe they can get a stop. Or if you win the toss, how many times did the team win the toss this year and just took it and won? You know what I mean? I don't. Uh, you know, Tyler Huntley, he, he played – he played uh, pretty good this year, you know, taking over for Lamar. But uh, I just don't. He he gifted the Steelers a win, and then the last game of the year, it was a, it was a joke. So I think he got he single handedly lost his two games, and he just got out coached. Like I don't know I don't know what happened. Like I was very very disappointed, and the kind of the, the icing on the cake here for me was he he scapegoated Wink Martindale. Wink Martindale was a scapegoat. There's nothing you can tell me otherwise. That defense was absolutely decimated, and you're gonna put it all on him. It was his fault. He didn't have who did he have, right? So don't like come at him like that. So I, I wasn't really a fan of that. But I'm gonna go with the Ravens just because I like Harbaugh. I think he's a good coach. He just had a lot of blunders this year, and I don't like how he scapegoated Martindale. And I'm really interested to see if they're gonna switch up their scheme a little bit in terms of they're very blitz heavy, and they're gonna get a lot of guys back. Obviously, they were just like we said decimated by injuries, but uh, when they're right, they're right. They can get a pass rusher since they lost Judon to to New England. I think they can be they can be good. Like um, they got some really good players, and I just think, like I said, Lamar. And we're gonna have you know Gus Bus Gus the Bus coming back next year. J.K. Dobbins will be back, so their running game is gonna be doing what they do. They're gonna be probably one of the best teams in the league in the run game, like they always are. Uh, Rashad Bateman got uh, you know half a year under his belt. He's gonna be better. You know what I mean? I would still like to see him get one more receiver to help out when Andrews is double covered because everybody knows you're throwing to him. But it just makes too much sense for Baltimore not to, to make a little run next year. I'm not going to say they're going to win the title. I mean, we'd both be very happy about that. But uh, they have the talent to do so. And I do trust Harbaugh, even though I was very disappointed in what he did this year. But I'm going to go with Baltimore. They just they, – they probably should have made the playoffs this year. Like, let's just say we win – we win one of those games that Harbaugh basically mailed away with the fourth down or with the call to go for it instead of pushing for overtime. 
let's say they win one of those, then Pittsburgh's probably not in the playoffs. You know what I mean? So the picture's jumbled. So, I mean, we'll see, yeah. right? The fact that they even competed, I think, with so many injuries is impressive. But uh, it was a very disappointing uh, season for if you're a Ravens fan. And uh, I know that your guy, uh, uh, Bear City Ham Dogs, is a huge Ravens guy. And he was devastated, which I can understand because me and you were both like, oh, my God, the Ravens did not make the playoffs. I had them. We both had them running away with that division. So, um, yeah, and uh, I'm going to go Baltimore. And uh, the cool thing, though, that I do like is that we both like a lot of teams in both sports. So it's like we're, we can almost always find someone to root for. But, uh, yeah, so you got uh, the Chargers with uh, the most aggressive coach in the league. <laughs> and I got uh, I got John Harbaugh and uh, the Ravens, so we'll see nice. two uh, two teams that uh, should make the playoffs next year. But if this year was any indication, who knows, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so let's uh, let's go. Let's uh, you know, let's go on overtime here with kicking it, and let's uh, let's talk about everybody's uh, favorite for all the wrong reasons. Like we keep saying, a lot of things with football this year is for all the wrong reasons. Was the uh, the NFL head coaching hirings? So there was nine spots, which is you know a good amount. It's almost a third of the league needed a new coach, and uh, we we got our coaches. Um, say what you want, but uh, we got them. There were people hired for spots. <laughs> there's there's warm bodies in these positions now. <laughs> um, we're gonna get into our thoughts, but we thought it would be we thought it would be. I don't want to say fun because it's not that fun, but we thought it would be uh, interesting to give our thoughts and rank these hirings from nine to one with nine being the worst and one being, well, how did I text you? The least worst. <laughs> yeah. The least terrible. Yeah. It would be that. Yeah, the um, least so worst. We're kind of tipping our hand a little bit here, but uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, I'll kick this one off my guy. Yeah. So number nine for me was a slam dunk, you know, uh, <laughs> was uh, Matt Eberflus and the Chicago bears was the worst hiring by far to me. Uh, I was, I was, so upset. Uh, Bears are my hometown team, so I, I'm probably more invested in this than I should be. But me and you, t- I feel like me and you talk about this every single year. The Bears, they're so they're embarrassing, man. They really are. The Bears have the worst ownership in football, only rivaled by somebody else that will be on our list. Um, it's it's awful. <laughs> they don't know what they're doing. Uh, from what I heard from Deuce, people are like, well, they they weren't really excited, but they weren't upset. They were kind of lukewarm on it. And that's just theirs, man. And vanilla, boring, safe hires a lot of times. The Trustman one wasn't really, but I don't get it. You have Justin Fields. You have a guy who can be a perennial Pro Bowl quarterback. You need to build a system around him. And what do you do? You hire a guy who was a DC, a defensive guy, whose team couldn't beat the Jaguars to make the playoffs. You go def- You go defense again here. The Bears, what is it with the Bears and going defense, man? I just don't get it. It makes me, it almost makes me sick to how, how stupid this team is. Like, I am so mad. Like, they were going to be my slime ball, but I knew we were going to be the segment. They are going to be my slime ball when they made the hire, but I knew we were going to do the segment, so I didn't want to do that. But the Bears, man, they're just, they're inept. It's so sad. And the fans deserve better. But you got, I feel bad. Like, if Justin Fields doesn't work out, we know why. Now, this is what I'm going to say. We got Luke Getze as our our OC. I'm not impressed personally, but um, we're gonna see. So this is this is this is what I was saying. I was talking to Deuce about this too. Deuce is like, "Don't be so low on it." But uh, if 
the Bears in Matt Eberflus' tenure. I'm going to say three years before he gets canned. I want to be I want to be wrong on this, listeners. I really do. And homie, I want to be wrong on this. I want the Bears to be a good franchise. I really do. Um, but they haven't proven that. So you we want to say if Matt Eberflus in his tenure as the Bears coach, if they make a championship game, an NFC championship game, then I will say, okay, it wasn't a terrible hire. It's fine. One one NFC championship game. That's it. Either one NFC championship game or if Justin Fields under Matt Eberflus's coaching tenure makes two Pro Bowls or more, I will say it wasn't a bad hire. I don't think I'm asking for that much, am I? A championship game appearance or a couple Pro Bowls no, for a guy who had number one pick talent? Am I asking for a lot? I just don't get it, man. If you think about all the offensive names that were out there and you went with Matt Eberflus. No shade in Matt Eberflus. You know what I mean? He paid his dues. You know what I mean? He was, the, the, the Colts have a good defense, but you don't need a defensive guy. You need an offensive guy to build a system. Look at what Harbaugh did when they drafted Big Trust. They got Greg Roman, built an entire system around him. I don't really like Cliff, I don't like Cliff Kingsbury at all. I don't think he's a very good coach. I think he stinks. He still built an entire system. Air raid offense, right? That's what he's. That's the system that he ran before. He built it to accommodate Kyler Murray. You got to do that, like with these mobile quarterbacks. You got to build them a system, man. I don't see how Matt Eberflus is able to do that as a D, as a defensive guy. Like I wanted. Apparently, they wanted Dable, but Dable didn't want to come to the Bears because he wasn't happy with ownership. Which can you blame him? You know what I mean? The Bears <laughs> wanted um, uh, Shine, who was the. The I think it's pronounced Shine, um, even though it looks like Showin. I think it's Shane. Shane, Shane. my bad, my bad. And it looks yeah, like Showin, yeah. but yeah, Shane. Yeah, it looks they like wanted Sean. Shane, yeah. who, the, who the G-Man got, but he didn't want to come because uh, he wasn't happy with the Bears. But this is this is the reason that Deuce told me before I let you get your pick. They they wanted Shane because they were so impressed with how well his teams played in the cold in Buffalo. If that's not one of the stupidest things I've ever heard in my life, then I need to you only play to half more. your games there. <laughs> well, what do you expect? What's he supposed to do? Like heat up the field, set it on fire? You play with what you're given. Uh, I'm pretty sure people weren't saying, uh, uh, man, Kyle Shanahan's teams, they don't play in the cold very much. So he's probably not a good offensive guy. Or uh, Byron Leftwich, you know, he plays in Tampa. It's usually pretty hot there. But they don't play in the cold. I don't know if I want that kind of guy. I don't think he can coach. What? It's so stupid. But, yeah, so the Bears, Matt Eberflus, I was so upset. I really was. I just, like, really, you had so many better guys out there. Anybody, any offensive guy, I would have taken any any offensive guy, period, I would have taken over Matt Eberflus. And it's no shade at him. I know – I don't think he's going to be awful. I just don't think it makes any sense when you have Justin Fields. I really don't. Especially when you see some of these other guys who got hired by teams with lesser quarterbacks, in my opinion. You know what I mean? Uh, it doesn't make any sense. But that's just me. That was my little – that was me getting it off my chest. I've been holding in for weeks. I am so disappointed in the Bears. But, hey, what's what's the saying? Like, the Bears do Bears things, man. They just do. And, you know, you liking the G-men. I like the G-men too. Our hometown teams are in disarray. <laughs> so that's yeah. my number nine, Matt Eberflus and the Chicago Bears, unfortunately. What about you, my guy? Who's your uh, 
who's your number nine? Who's the worst of the worst, literally? So. Yeah, I uh, I had Eberflus there too in the Bears. Um, wow, I did not the- see that coming. You seemed way higher on it than I did. Wow. No, uh, for for all the reasons you mentioned, I, it's mostly come down to I I don't think I think a lot of these. There were so many. The trend of this year is like there were so many first time head coaches hired. Like they like guys who really have very limited experience play calling all of that stuff there were a lot of those guys who got hired this yeah, year. five it looks like five from my count yeah five first which, which is insane they they most teams went with like offensive young offensive talent though right like you said yeah it just doesn't make any sense to me to not you traded a bunch of draft capital to draft justin fields like how are you not gonna give him I've never even heard of the OC. What's his name? Getsy? Like I've never even heard of this dude. Luke Getsy. And like I'm not. He was a QB. He was a QB coach for uh, Green Bay. So listen, I'm not. I'm not like the pigskin prophet like you are, and so I'm not like super plugged in at like you know non coordinator assistant coaches. But like this is the this is the guy you hired. I mean, I don't know. It it just seems wild to me. And. If you're going to go defense, which for whatever reason, the Chicago ownership is obsessed with doing, they they still think it's the eighties. I'm pretty sure. Um, like, I, I just don't know why you go with the guy who coached the indie defense, which is like fine, but nothing spectacular. And not like Raheem Morris from LA who, you know, coached one of the best defenses or I don't know, Patrick Graham from the giants or someone like that. Todd Bowles, who, Todd Bowles right. I just don't get it. Um, so yeah, it just it just didn't. Yeah, and, and it's like less about Eberflus specifically, and and but like more about what he's not right. Yeah, and he's more about the organization. Out. It's an organizational yeah, thing. It's not really like I is. said. I got no problem with Matt Eberflus. I I knew him. You know, of course I knew him as the DC of the Colts. Colts have a solid defense. He's a good defensive coach. He is. I don't think he's amazing, yeah. but I think he's good. But it, like yeah. you said, it, it don't make no sense, man. And even I'm trying to think of who would be like a DC, other DCs who would have even been better. Uh, Leslie Frazier, I won't say because his team can't hold somebody for 13 seconds, so he's out for me. <laughs> he was he's been out for that. Uh, Marvin Lewis, I mean, he yeah. only lived in the playoffs. He never won a game, but I'm sure the Bears would be pretty content to live in the playoffs. You know what I mean? They're, they're mm-hmm. they stink. They're a joke franchise. They really are. And. The sad thing is the city of Chicago deserves so much better, man. They are a Bears town. You've been to Chicago a whole bunch of times. They love the Bears. Like, you know, obviously you got, you know, two baseball teams and the hockey team is, you know, uh, I don't care for it for, you know, reasons, obvious reasons. But uh, there's no split when it comes to football. They love the Bears. They are a football town. Chicago is a football town through and through, and they always will be. They love the Bulls, too. They do love the Bulls, but they the the – Every you know neighborhood. If you like sports, you like the Bears usually. Some Packers fans a little mm-hmm. bit here and there, unfortunately. <laughs> but they're, they're a football town, bro. You've seen it even when yeah. you went there. Uh, yeah, totally. When, when the you know even when the Bulls are winning all those titles, I bet you if you ask a lot of fans, I don't agree with this. We had the greatest player ever in MJ, but uh, they probably would have traded six titles for probably two Super Bowls. They probably mm-hmm. would have maybe even one. The way that the, the '85 Bears are deified still. That was a lot. We mean you weren't even born when the Bears won the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? So like, I feel you. I mean, I mean, I'm glad that I'm not the only guy who's. I, I thought I was like, man, am I really this hard on the hire? But I'm glad to feel that at least 
at least somebody out there feels my pain. They're just like, yeah, I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but uh, enough about the Bears. They they stink. That's all I can say. They stink, yeah. man. Um, as Rex Ryan would say, it stinks. <laughs> Rex Ryan, I would have took freaking Rex Ryan over him. <laughs> he went to two championship games. I mean, oh, whatever. Let's move on. Let's move on, man. <laughs> I can talk about it all day. Uh, what's your number eight? Who's your number eight? Um, yeah. Uh, coaching hire. So this one is maybe one that'll surprise some people. I'm probably lower on this coach than maybe a lot of folks are. Um, but I'm going with the Jacksonville Jaguars hiring Doug Peterson, um, as you call him, Santa Claus. He always wears his glasses wears down his on like his nose. Santa Claus glasses were on the tip yeah. of his nose. You know, he's checking his list, checking it twice. That's what it reminds me. Yeah, yeah. So he, he was a former um, offensive coordinator in Kansas City under Andy Reid and then went to coach the Eagles, famously won the Super Bowl with the Eagles. Um, so people are probably like, well, then why is he such a bad hire? Dude went to the playoffs in three out of five seasons um you know what won the super bowl with the eagles i think there's a lot of contextual information that's really important there that eagles team was loaded loaded with talent that that's more on their gm best offensive line in the league best defensive line in the league um you know they could sub out wentz for Foles, and they still looked awesome good receivers good running game they were they were awesome he had um, Schwartz was his defensive coordinator who did a heck of a job when he was there. Um, and ultimately, like, it just got worse every year he was there. Like, he he came in with a pretty stacked roster what, after Wentz kind of, like, in his second year took off a little bit. It, they they, they kind of went on a run. Nick Foles kind of led that, you know, playoff, kind of magical playoff run that was – pretty fluky in my opinion um but you know no no asterisks on super bowls but like all i'm saying is i don't credit that to peterson at all i credit it to a lot of other people before i credit it credit him credit it to him but even so you know he's he's has a history of winning he's an offensive guy the big thing here is again who they didn't hire yeah, the elephant they the room, had man. the most obvious coaching fit I've seen in a decade, Brian Leftwich, who has been the offensive coordinator calling plays for Tampa Bay, who, by the way, was the best offense in the league last year, this past year, um, with a 44-year-old quarterback who was still great. But we should have won the MVP. A, I mean, let's just, put, let's just keep it real, right? Totally. I agree with you. Um, he's a former – He's a former Jags player. He's already in, you know, in Florida with, with Tampa Bay. Um, and they don't hire him. And now what I've heard about this is that he, they offered it to him and he turned it down because he didn't want to work with this GM, which this GM just hired maybe one of the worst, <laughs> worst coaches we've ever seen um, in the NFL in Urban Meyer, uh, you know, <laughs> this past season and you know has not done a good job building this team in in any way i just don't know why you don't just do a culture reset after that whole mess bring in a new gm pair him with leftwich leftwich apparently had someone he wanted to work with um and so it just it, it makes no sense to me you mentioned that the bears ownership is the worst in football 
Shad Khan's not far behind them. The dude is a disaster. He he has no idea what he's doing aside from, you know, when he gets up in the morning and combs his mustache. That's the only thing he seems <laughs> to know how to do. Um, he obviously knows how to make money. He's an NFL owner, but um, I don't know. That was just a huge missed opportunity for me. And Peterson is just such a wet sandwich. <laughs> like it's just a nothing <laughs> higher. Like we all, we all know like Andy Reed hires don't do great. Um, but like I'd take the enemy over this guy or, you know, like, so I, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, hopefully they do get better. I I'm a big fan of Trevor Lawrence. I think he can be a all time great, but I don't know if you can do that with this, this mess of a franchise and, you know, Peterson, I don't know. All, all I'll say is just look how Peterson went out in Philly. Look at the last game he coached and tell me you want that guy on your sideline. I'll let it, I'll let all the listeners look it up. Last game of the year. Um, look, look, look what, look what, uh, you know, look how his quarterback liked him after that. So, um, yeah, that's, that's my, that's my second worst pick here. Yeah. Uh, we got the synchronicity going so far, homie. Nice. Uh, I also have. <laughs> Doug Peterson as my uh, my number eight. The only reason he wasn't number nine is because of the Bears. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Why wasn't he number nine? Because of the Bears. That's all we got to say. Um, I thought this was an awful hire. I was not happy with it. Me and you must be in the minority because everything I've been hearing is people are mm-hmm. over the moon about this, and, and I just don't get it. Yeah. I mean, especially in the era where you're talking about tanking and stuff, he tanked that last game. I don't know, and I don't know if he tanked it for a better draft pick or if he tanked it out of spite because he knew he was on his way out. I don't know what it was, but if you look at I, this I squad, assumed look at it Jalen was Hurts to save face. his job. Yeah, look at, look at Jalen Hurts' face. Look at Jalen Hurts' yeah. face on the bench when he got pulled. They weren't winning, but they had a dick. They were in the game. He gifted Washington, which I hope Washington sent him some champagne or some expensive cigars <laughs> if he's a smoker. I don't know, whatever. Sent him something because he gifted them a division title. He really did. You could say, yeah, they won the game. Yeah, they did. But he gifted them a title because the Giants were going to win that. So me and you were irate when we saw that last year. We were real mad. We were heated over that. So he tanked. And, and that thing where we're talking about tanking, oh, it's bad. It is bad. You got a guy who literally did it. The most obvious tanking I've ever seen in an NFL game probably in a long, long time. He did it. Nate Sudfeld? No, I don't want to throw too much shade at Nate Sudfeld. Nate Sudfeld is like a practice, practice squad type of dude. Nate Sudfeld, what do you need to evaluate from him? He's been in the league for a little while. What what do you need to see? It's ridiculous that he got a pass with that. There's a lot of coaches who could not get a pass with that, and you know exactly what I'm talking about when it comes to that. That was that was absurd. So and he burned all of his bridges in Philly. Now I'm, Howie Roseman, I've heard he's not a very good guy to work with. Nah, Jeffrey yeah, Lurie's yeah. a very hands-on type of owner, so I don't really think ownership and GM. I don't I don't like them either. I don't think they're I don't I don't think it's a very well-run organization, but. This is this is what I say. With a very, very similar team, you know, adding Devontae Smith and some other pieces here and there, but a very similar core, right, was brought back this year with, you know, not really a good run game, and they made the playoffs with Nick Sirianni, yep. who I was not high on either. I thought they only hired Nick Sirianni because they wanted to keep Carson Wentz because he was with the Colts as well, and they yep. wanted that, but it was it was too far gone, right? So I wasn't high on Nick Sirianni. I'm still not that high on Nick Sirianni, but hey, he took a team that I thought was going to be easily the worst team in the division to the playoffs. And Jalen Hurts, he had some growing pains his first full year starting, but 
he looked better. He looked he looks like he's making a little bit of progress. I think he's going to be pretty good. I don't know if he's going to be a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback, but I think he, you can win with Jalen Hurts. I think you can. But he took him to the playoffs. Doug Peterson, this team last year was awful. What, they won four games? They were awful last year. They stunk. You know what I mean? To use one of our favorite words, they stunk. And he just, you know, the way he, you know, the whole thing with the quarterback and Carson Wentz, we can already see with Indy, he's not in the best footing there either. So it's kind of a personal thing. But there were, believe me, when he got fired, there was no love lost between him and Jalen Hurts. I know Jalen Hurts didn't say anything, but I'm pretty sure he was, he wasn't, he wasn't shedding any tears that Doug Peterson was gone. And I don't really think anybody was, to be real with you. Uh, I don't really get why people are over the moon about this hire. I don't like it. The Byron Leftwich thing is ridiculous. He wanted to bring in Adrian Wilson, who was an executive with Arizona. And Arizona's done a really good job. They were undefeated at one point this year. They fell apart because, you know, Cliff Kingsbury, that's what he does. But they made some great moves this year, right? We were, I was talking about them as one of the best executives of the year. They were in my conversation. Their front office. Um, so the thing that bothers me is that Leftwich wanted to do, a, uh, you know, a package deal, like bring my own guy. Mm-hmm. We see that happen so much. The Bears did that with Eberflus. Ryan Poles was their GM, and it was a package deal to bring in Eberflus. So then, like, a package deal, and you bring in Matt Eberflus? Really? And then we saw a package deal with the Giants, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, which we'll talk about in our list eventually, of course. And um, there's one more, I think, and I'm missing that one as well. But uh, there's a package deal. You know what I mean? It goes on. We see it happen so many times. Oh, excuse me, the Raiders with McDaniels. He brought in his dude from from New England, right? Package deal. So how come Byron Leftwich, who you drafted in the first round, played with you, won a Super Bowl, had two separate 5,000-yard passers? He Jameis Winston threw for well over 5,000 yards. He threw a ton of picks, but that's the offense. He transitioned from the – play caller by the way he calls the plays for the no risk it no biscuit bruce arians offense he he on the fly tailored that and tinkered with it and put a lot more motion a lot more screen plays a lot more checkdowns he got the backs more involved in receiving the ball because that's what tom brady likes on the fly and they won a title because of that you're telling me if they don't change the offense up during the bye week for brady i mean brady had a lot of input on that obviously he's the goat but you tell me Leftwich didn't have a lot to do with that too. If they don't change that offense up, they don't win the Super Bowl, homie. They don't. Their defense was phenomenal. Props to Bowles. He did a great job. But that offense wasn't working. That no risk it, no biscuit, air it out. We saw what happened with Jameis. It's it's too – you're going to get picked off. Like corners are too good now. You know what I mean? Corners have almost as good hands as, as receivers we're seeing nowadays. That don't work with a lot of guys. And Brady's not that kind of guy. You know what I mean? He's a check down, quick read guy, get rid of the ball in two seconds. So, I mean, it's just like you think about who they had. And like you said, Shad Khan, if it wasn't for the Bears, he'd be the worst owner. And he probably is tied with the Bears. He's 1A or 1B. He's 1B probably. He's awful. He has a great mustache. I love his Monopoly Man mustache. It's dope. It really is. I, <laughs> I like how the only good thing we could say yeah, is I'll about keep his it mustache. real. I, I like that he's an owner of color. I'm yeah. biased in that way. I'm sorry. I'm a person of color. I just have to say it. I'm biased that way. I'm happy he's an owner of color. I like to see that, but hey, man, I'm not going to give somebody a pass just because of it. I'll never do that. I got to keep it real. We keep it real on the show as much as we can. We're objective. And you know, we like the Jags. We really do. We're probably one of the few like Jags fans that don't have anything to do with Jacksonville. We like them. The Cabanas, the logo is dope. We love Trey Law. I got a Trey Law bobblehead. You know what I mean? And it's like you got the Joe Smooth. I got a Trey Law in my collection. I love Trey Law. I do. 
Um, I don't like the hire, man. The fact that Shad Khan picked Trent Balky over Byron Leftwich and Adrian Wilson is mind-blowing to me. I think it's going to be a huge mistake. And if you look at it, this was a circle back move. They, they, they interviewed Doug Pearson in December, I want to say, and now he's the right guy for your team. I don't get it. Yeah, yeah. Pearson's extremely overrated. I've said this a thousand times. I am not a fan of the Andy Reid coaching tree. And that's everybody. You know what I mean? Obviously, I had one. Matt Nagy was a disaster. You know what I mean? It was absolutely a disaster. Eric Bieniemy's not really getting any any love. I, I don't know. I just I could be completely wrong on this. This is just my opinion. I think Andy Reid doesn't prepare his coaches well because he's he has to call the plays. I mean, I think your OC should call the plays. I mean, you're the head coach. You can have input, but let your OC call the plays because all you're doing is hindering their development for when they become a head coach. You know what I mean? Like, you're not giving him any experience. I know he lets them, you know, run the practices sometimes, and he has input on plays, and sometimes he calls them. But everybody knows Andy Reid calls the plays. Just like everybody knows Shanahan calls the plays. Everybody knows Coach McVay calls the plays. You know what I mean? You know who calls the plays. Just like you know that Coach Corpse calls the defensive plays in New England. In New England, do you think anybody else is calling defense? No, it's Coach Corp. So I don't think Andy Reid sets his guys up for. I think he sets them up for failure personally. I don't like the way he does his staff. I don't like the whole tree thing with him. I don't. Uh, so I'm not a big fan of the Andy Reid tree. Um, I don't. I don't like it. And I just think that's it's not a. It's not great. I think the Super Bowl, like you said, it was more fluky to me. They had a really talented team, but uh, they put up a lot of points. And how many? How often do we see New England? under Tom Brady, put up their defense, leave that, you know, have that many points scored on them. They just did this past year, but that was a Mac Jones team. Talking about a Brady team. It's very rare that they put up, they give up over 40 in a Super Bowl. You know what I mean? They held the Rams to three. You know what I mean? So I don't know, man. I'm really low on the hire. I think it's awful. If you just think about, uh, they, they interviewed Jim Caldwell. I thought Jim Caldwell would have been a perfect hire. For this one, okay, you don't want to go with Leftwich because you, you you want Trent Balky so desperately, which I don't know why. The word around the league is not high on him. He burned a lot of bridges with the Niners. Him and Harbaugh had a fallout, which I know Harbaugh is hard to work for, but he was very successful. But Balky's not very well respected, and Leftwich didn't want to do that. He wanted to bring in his own guy. And for whatever reason, you can't do that, even though we see other teams do it. So whatever. Huge missed opportunity to me. But they needed a culture guy. The Jags, what they need is a culture guy. After the Urban Meyer disaster, and after I picked him the win coach of the year because I thought they win a division because I'm an idiot, <laughs> they need a culture guy. Jim Caldwell is a perfect a guy that would be perfect for that. Peyton Manning, Tony Dungy is one of the most respected coaches in the league to add that's ever coached in the league. You, you can't get a much better culture guy than that. They interviewed Rich Pisaccia. I thought that would have been a – I would have been very happy if they would have hired Rich Pisaccia. I think that if you consider all the horrible things that happened with the Raiders, they were even one of my slime balls of the week, um, and how they were able to get them, and they won four in a row, and they made the playoffs, and they were competitive, and they had a chance to win. Um, I would have loved to see Rich Pisaccia, too. I thought, and the way that it's pretty rare that you see an interim coach where his players are devastated that he's leaving. Even though they're getting another coach, they're devastated he's leaving. You saw that. They were, you know, his two stars, uh, you know, Crosby and, and, um, Derek Carr's, you got offensive, defensive stars. They were devastated that he was gone. Um, so I thought that was a guy. You need a culture guy in Jacksonville. You do. And Jack kind of knows what he's doing, man. He just doesn't. I don't see this working. Um, I want it to for Trey Locke. He deserves better. But 
he got him and Justin Fields got the short end of the stick, man. He really did. They really did. So I'm I'm very disappointed. Um, they couldn't. I mean, at least at least the Jags picked an offensive guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what I'll say. But yeah. uh, if you think about the way things ended up with his last couple quarterbacks, and he didn't get any sort of interviews or anything last year, he was out of the league for a year. It kind of makes sense if you think about it. I'm not a Peterson guy. I don't care if he won. You know, he went to the playoffs a few times and won Super Bowl. I don't care. You know what I mean? Mike McCarthy won a Super Bowl too. I'm not comparing them. You know, I'm not comparing him. Mike McCarthy's a horrible coach. I think Doug Peterson's better than him. But, you know, the Super Bowl doesn't always mean that you're a great coach. It just means you have great players most of the time. I mean, most of the time it takes good coaching, you know what I mean? But usually great players win Super Bowls. There's exceptions, of course. It's a very overgeneralization. But you feel me what I'm saying, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So very disappointed. So number seven in this uh, this love fest so far that we got. Uh, for me, to be real, seven through five was basically like you can – these interchangeable. These are all basically the same guy to me. I was about to say the same exact. They're basically thing. the same like, dude. They're yeah, just different yeah. names and different faces and stuff. But they're to me, it's interchangeable. So I just went with uh, I went with Nathaniel Hackett from the from your mm-hmm. Denver Broncos. Um, not a sexy hire to me. I was just like, oh, okay. Uh, another guy. Don't call the plays. Who calls the plays? Matt Lafleur. The and coach of the Packers, another guy who doesn't have any experience calling the plays, uh, with a team with no quarterback. Uh, I mean, I, I love Teddy Two Gloves. You love Teddy Two Gloves, but I don't think he's going to be there. I like him a lot. I think he's better than he gets credit for. I'm not saying he's a Pro Bowl quarterback, but you can win with Teddy Two Gloves, I think. I just think Vic Fangio's a defensive guy. You know, it's not going to work. And they got some weapons there. I think they can make it work, but they're going to probably draft somebody. We'll see. But, um, Apparently, this is a, a way to, to lure in Aaron Rodgers to go there. I'm not really buying that. You know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, it's, you know, I don't really, I didn't really see, you know, why he was such a hot commodity, to be real with you. Uh, to me, I'm, I'm kind of really skeptical. This is, this is the way I look at head coaching hires. And this is just our personal opinions. This is not expert analysis necessarily. The way I look at head coaches is that it's hard for me to say a coordinator is a great coach and could be a great head coach if they had a ready-made, you know, star on whatever side of the ball they coach, right? So Hackett had Aaron Rodgers in his lap when he got there, right, with Lafleur. So that doesn't really show me that you, that you, you know what I mean? What did you really develop there? Like, how, how do you trust this guy to develop a great quarterback? I don't really see it. He had a guy already there who's going to go to the Hall of Fame. You know what I mean? And um, I just don't really see it. So if, or if another guy who's like, oh, you had a, a guy who was great, you know, defensively, he had a Hall of Fame player on his team, of course he's going to be good, right? I don't know. I just feel like and with some of these guys, I just – I don't really see – I want to see – to me, a coach is kind of like a teacher, right? They're supposed to build guys up get the most they possibly can of them to meet their potential and exceed that, right? So when I see a coach do that with a guy who's a rookie or he's young or whatever, that's to me is like the mark of a great coach, right? So, like, that's what I'm saying. It's like you got your best season out of Jameis Winston with Byron Leftwich, right? You saw him switch on the fly to a completely different quarterback in a lot of ways with the way they like to run offense with Tom Brady. And I'm sure they'll be very successful, at least in developing a quarterback if they can find one. 
whoever they get next year, right? But like, I just don't see a guy, a guy who had a tailor-made quarterback when he got there, who's going to go to the Hall of Fame. Like, how does that show me that? Oh, I got to have him. He had Aaron Rodgers. Like I said, Mike McCarthy had Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre. Now look at him coaching with a good quarterback. He has a good quarterback. I mean, I don't think Rain. I don't think Rain is an amazing quarterback, but he's really good. You know what I mean? He's a great talent. You can't take that away from him. He's very good. And they stunk. You know what I mean? They're uninventive, whatever. Kellen Moore, whatever. They're uninventive. They had a high-flying offense, but they fell apart in the second half of the season, right? So, like, I don't know. That's just my thoughts on Nathaniel Hackett. I don't really know that much about him, other side from what I've seen with Green Bay and stuff like that. But it wasn't really a hire that really stood out to me. I'm like, really? He's getting a lot of buzz? I don't get it. What about you, homie? Who's your number seven? Well, the mind melt continues because I also had Nathaniel Hackett <laughs> there. But but literally the same thing you said. For me, four through seven, you could have put any of these guys in any spots um, that you wanted to. Um, yeah, with Hackett, for me, like the trend this year was completely Shanahan and McVeigh guys, right? And LaFleur is part of that that coaching tree, so Hackett's part of it. We're we're certainly going to talk about a couple more guys um, who are from that coaching tree. It's just like everyone just got obsessed with that. I mean, everyone's been obsessed with that. And the one thing I will say for that is we have seen guys from that tree go on and be successful. Like we've seen LaFleur. I, I think re- regardless of what you think about the Packers and how disappointing they are in the postseason, I mean – they got so much better when they replaced Mike McCarthy with with Matt Lafleur. But I mean, it's Mike McCarthy, you know, man. Come on, it doesn't get much yeah. worse than him. He doesn't. He's so out of it. But I mean, that's another guy, Matt Lafleur. Like, I want to see him. If Aaron Rodgers leaves, I want to see how good of a coach he is offensively. Yeah. That's what I want to see. I almost Aaron Rodgers leave just for my own, you know, curious mind because I want to see how good of a coach he is. Because yeah, like I said, that's... it's it's not that hard to coach when you have a Hall of Fame quarterback. That's I mean, it's fair, hard, but, but it's not as hard as it could be, right? Th- that's fair, but their 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 record did go up significantly when he took over, obviously. And and you know, I just I don't agree that Roger should have won the MVP this year, but he did, and he did last year. And so I think like you know he was all he was always he he had MVPs prior to this, anyways. But you know, Lafleur. I think it's hard to say that hasn't been a success. We just saw Zach Taylor in the Super Bowl. You know, some people, you know, you can question some stuff he's done. But, you know, I do think, like, unlike, say, the Andy Reid tree, you've at least seen guys go on to some success um, from that tree, which I guess is why, um, you know, guys like Hackett and some other guys we'll mention got hired. But, yeah, I don't really have a ton to add. Um, You pretty much said it all, Um, you know. What I, I almost, I can envision what's happening. They brought him here to try to get Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is going to stay in Green Bay. They're going to have this guy who's a quarterback guy, an offensive guy, and they're going to have no quarterback. I, like this is the Broncos in a nutshell. Um, <laughs> so you know, I, I can just I've seen this story before, um, and he'll be out in two years. Like that. That's how it always happens with them. So. Um, they they have not done a good job of hiring guys, of developing that offense, getting even a competent quarterback. I mean, not even they have they've gotten competent quarterbacks, but they just don't 
I don't know, something about that team to me. Every year I'm like, oh, this is the year Denver is finally going to be good. I don't know. They just they can't seem to get out of their own way to me. So this is just another extension of that. Um, they'll probably take a quarterback very high, you know, in the top ten in this draft. They'll probably overreach for one. Yeah, it's it's not a really it great, won't pan out. It's not a really great yeah. QB draft from what I've been hearing and seeing. Obviously, like you said, me and you to keep it real, we're not huge college football guys, but I kind of see okay, who are the guys who are projected to go really high? I look at their tape and all that stuff, and I watch you know stuff like that to see so I can get ready, so I can at least speak semi-intelligently about it, or at least have some sort of in- info. Um, for the listeners and you know for us to talk about it but it doesn't seem like a really great quarterback draft to me there's mm-hmm. it seems like there's more projects than you know first day starters to me or for yeah first game starters um so we'll, we'll see what happens right yeah so that uh it's not not that uh not that exciting uh what about uh uh see that's your turn right so who's your number what's your number six yeah, so at number six, um, I went with the Las Vegas Raiders um, hiring Josh McDaniels. Um, you know, one thing you can say about Josh McDaniels is he calls plays, <laughs> which you can't say about a lot of these other offensive coordinators. Yeah, he, he calls the plays. He definitely does that. So <laughs> He calls the plays. Sometimes he calls three pass plays in an entire game. Um, you know, this guy, I think it's become readily obvious I hope to everyone, but at least to me, the New England offense was the New England offense because of one person, and it sure as shit wasn't Josh McDaniels. <laughs> it was the greatest quarterback of all time. Uh, you know, how how did Josh McDaniels look coaching Cam Newton? How did he look coaching Mac Jones? I mean, people are high on Mac Jones, but, I mean, he had a completely average year. His, his numbers and Davis Mills' numbers – are not that far off. I'll just say that. General um, Mills, your guy. We'll General get to, we'll get to him. We'll get to we'll him. Get, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, he, uh, you know, he's left New England once, went to the Broncos. It was 10 years ago, but it was a disaster. Um, so, you know, like he, his, his head coaching record's not good. Um, but, um, you know, he brought Patrick Graham from the Giants, who was a guy I actually kind of I liked, one of the few guys in the Giants coaching staff I liked, brought him with him. Um, but the reality is, and and same kind of similar with Andy Reid, Belichick, Belichick assistants do not do well. Um, that dude has a vice grip on everything that happens around that team. We saw it with Matt Patricia. We've we saw it with McDaniel's that that one year. We saw it with the Joe Judge and on the Giants. Um, the only one you could say who has had pretty good success would be Vrabel, um, and he didn't even really coach there that, that long. He was more he was a player there, obviously for a long Romeo time. Romeo Cornell had some success. Ro- Romeo Cornell had some success. Not, I don't. I wouldn't say he blew anyone away, but Belichick's one of these guys who like. I just don't really buy his assistants being big game changers on their own. Um, I just think he is such he's he does a lot of that stuff and does a lot of the the legwork. So yeah, that's that's kind of who I have here. Um, but yeah, you know, I don't know. The the Raiders have a good offense in place. I would say they need another receiver. 
Um, but I think Hunter Renfro was good. I think Jacobs is solid. I think Carr's a, a good quarterback. So, I mean, I, he's got some stuff to work with there. I was disappointed they didn't hire Basaccia. I thought that was the obvious move. Um, but if you're not going to hire him, I guess this this kind of makes sense. Um, it's not the worst hire. Obviously, we, we talked about those. But kind of just uninspiring to me, to be honest. I, I just don't really – I think the Raiders will be similar to how they were last year, maybe 9-8, and eight, you know, maybe 10-7, and seven, but not, not much more than that. Yeah, um, this is this is finally where we don't we don't. Okay, <laughs> we finally split. If if the whole list would have been, uh, you know, you know, spot for spot, because we go into this, everybody. Uh, we don't. Uh, we talk about like what topics we want to talk about and how we want to go with them, but we don't. Uh, we don't share our lists for any of this stuff or who we're going to talk about. We just kind of we like to keep it a surprise because it makes it more organic conversation, more mm-hmm. fun. You know what I mean? So. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm actually really surprised that he's that low for you, but uh, I'll give my thoughts on on the Josh McDaniels uh, before we, uh, you know, obviously when I get, when I get to him on my list. So my number six is uh, Kevin O'Connell from the Vikings. He was the Curly Horns uh, OC this past year. They won the Super Bowl, so he's got a ring now. Congrats to him. Um, another guy, not really. He was, you know, he's a lot of, I heard a lot of really good things. Like, oh, he was going to be a great coach and guys who played with him and stuff like that. Another guy that's just not really, doesn't really move the needle for me. Another guy who was on a, a, had a head coach that everybody knows he was calling the plays. You know what I mean? So it's not really that great to me, honestly. The Kevin O'Connell hire, I don't really have too much to say. I just don't, I don't really get it. He's going to a team that doesn't have a good quarterback. I don't think Kirk Cousins is very good. I don't think he's awful, but I don't think he's very good, especially when, uh, especially watching this as a weird year. Like we said, uh, he couldn't beat Cooper Rush, who's the backup quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> he had like one first down out of 13. I, I want to say he had, no, excuse me, one third down conversion out of 13 or something like that. It was atrocious. Like, I feel like you could find somebody off the street who could convert one of 13 first downs, third downs, excuse me. So, yeah, so I don't really see. But I don't know. The Vikings is like, I don't know, man. I'm not really high on the Vikings. Like, I know they got Jefferson, who's amazing. And they got Thielen, who's very, very good. Dalvin Cook's phenomenal. I don't know, man. It's just something about it. I just don't really, I don't really buy into the Vikings. Like, their defense to me is okay. And uh, I, I think Zimmer, yeah, I, I agree with letting him go. But I don't know, the Vikings just don't really do it for me, man. Like, I don't really, this hire is just like, eh. But I don't really know. This is probably a team that I would have probably went defense because the problem really wasn't their offense. If you think about it, they have a, you could say a top five running back, right, in the league. At least yes. he's, he's in the conversation. Dalvin Cook is very good. Talent-wise, You have sure. a top 15, at, at the very least top 15. You could argue top 10 if you really, really want to. We'll say top 15 to be safe. Justin Jefferson, who's only going to keep getting better. Phenomenal. Adam Thielen's a very good receiver. You know what I mean? You you got you got pieces there. Your offense is pretty good. So this is maybe one where you you could have went defense because that seems like that's where your team struggles the most. You know what I mean? Uh, if they had a young quarterback, then I'd say okay, go. I mean, it's kind of a trend with me, right? If you have a young quarterback that needs to be developed, then you go offense. 
if you have anything else that's solid, if you have a solid offense but your defense is, you know, questionable, then you go defense. You get the coach that's going to coach up whatever you're, you know, deficient at, right? So this is one where they could have went defense. Like, I feel like uh, a guy like, you know, Patrick Graham would have been great for this job. I feel like high on him. You talked about him. He went to the Raiders. That would have been a nice a nice hire, I feel like. Todd Bowles would have been a nice hire, you know, so on and so forth. So, I don't know. I'm just not really – Kevin O'Connell doesn't really do it for me. Like I said, he doesn't really move the needle for me. It's kind of like, eh, another, uh, another average vanilla hire. You know what I mean? So, uh, moving on to number five, I have uh, another guy in this vein. I have Mike McDaniel. So – so we had a McDaniels and a McDaniel. I don't know if that's the first time it's ever yeah. happened. We have guys with <laughs> almost the same last name, but with one additional letter or made it plural. So I went with the singular Mike McDaniel for this one of the Miami Dolphins. Uh, we know the whole controversy with Brian Flores and this and that. We talked about that ad nauseum. So um, the reason this one was five for me and not six or seven was just purely because Another guy, Shanahan was his head coach. I get it. Shanahan calls all the plays. But from what I've been hearing, this guy had a lot to do with the run game. And he had a lot of input when it came to the running game. And the only reason I give this any sort of credence or any or give it some sort of love is because the Dolphins, to me, they desperately need a run game. Desperately. Because I don't care. You can say what you want about Tua. Me and you both love Tua. We do. We think he's he got the short end of the stick with the, under the Flores regime. He definitely did. Uh, he, needs a, he needs a coach that's going to believe in him, and he needs a coach that is going to emphasize or at least prioritize running the ball because Tua is not – he doesn't have a bazooka or a cannon for an arm like, you know, Stud Allen, Dustin Herbert, those kind of guys. He doesn't have that kind of arm. So he needs – a run game because if he drops back, they know they're not going to run the ball or not going to run it effectively. So he's going to have to pass it. You know what I mean? So you need some play action. He needs play action. He needs something that he can sell the run. You know what I mean? So that's why I went with Mike McDaniel. I feel like he can maybe he can, he can draft a running back in some some part of the the draft. The great thing about running backs, it seems now in the NFL, is that you can get them in any round and they can be good. You know, Elijah Mitchell went in the sixth round and he looks like he's a number one back for the Niners, but it also could be the system. But also, like Mike McDaniels was a part of a system or he ran a system where the running was emphasized, right, in West Coast offense. Shanahan loves to run the ball. You have a quarterback that needs to build some confidence, right? What's what's a quarterback's best friend in a running game, right? So you got a team that's on the cusp of making the playoffs. They almost made it uh, two years ago. You know what I mean? They won 10 games. They barely missed it. And then this year they won nine. So they're right on the cusp. They just need a better – uh, a guy who's going to emphasize the run game. That's why I went with McDaniel. I think I think he can get it done. Maybe we'll see. You know what I mean? I don't have like huge glowing praise for him, but that's what kind of put it over the top for me. Made him the best of these type of similar hires. So I mean, we'll see what happens, right? I think I think that we've seen that Miami's D is pretty solid, right? Their offense obviously Waddle, the the Tua Waddle uh, connection is is dope. I think you know what I mean. They got some good pieces there. They can get a run game. They can be pretty solid. I think they can they can make the playoffs next year if they get a if they get a, a, a consistent uh, rushing attack. So, what about you, my guy? What's your uh, who's your number five? Yeah, my number five. I'm going in a different direction with this one. Um, 
this one being smack in the middle is kind of just kind of makes sense for me. And just the New Orleans Saints promoting Dennis Allen from DC to head coach. Um, he's been a longtime coordinator under Sean Payton. Um, he was the head coach actually of the Raiders for a couple seasons when they were really bad. <laughs> so, you know, his head coaching record is not good, but um, the Raiders are a bit of a mess of an organization. Um, so, you know, take take that with a grain of salt. Um, the defense in New Orleans has been pretty consistently good the last few years. Now, they have a lot of talent. They, they've invested, they've drafted well, and they've invested, um, you know, in that defense. I still do think he's a good defensive coach. Um, this to me is a sign that they're like trying to kind of take some kind of continuity, bridge the Sean Payton era, which is now, I guess, over, um, into whatever's going to happen again. Um, but I just like, I have no idea what's going to happen on offense here. And that, you know, they're, they, I don't know who's going to play quarterback, I have no idea if Michael Thomas is going to play for them again. He didn't play at all last year. I have no idea if Kamara is going to play for him. He's, you know, showing some red flags already um, in terms not just of injury, but of his behavior off the field. Um, so I just kind of thought they would kind of go and and get some offensive guys um, to kind of help this out. Um, I don't think Dennis Allen's a bad coach. He probably has good relationships with everyone, but it was, it was to me like at number five, like right in the middle, it's just like a very mad move. I think they're going to be very similar to how they were last year in terms of overall record, um, right around 500. I think they're going to win some games. They had no business winning. I think they're going to lose some really bad ones, but yeah. So I went, I went with Dennis Allen here. I feel you. I feel you. So, uh, like I said, I'll give my thoughts when I get to their number four, or as Moses Malone would say, number foe, 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 foe. Oh. What do we got? So this is where I had Kevin O'Connell. Um, and again, like I said, four through seven, three, three for seven, really, for me. They could have gone in any order. Um, so, like, you know, why would I have Kevin O'Connell over, you know, uh, Nathaniel Hackett? They're both from the same coaching tree. Neither of them have really play calling experience. Um, the only difference to me is he has a he has a relationship with Cousins. He worked with him in Washington, so that might be go that might have something going for him. And I have a little more respect for O'Connell and McDaniel because kind of what you mentioned, right? Like Aaron Aaron Ro making a good offense around Aaron Rodgers is not nearly as hard as making a good offense around Jimmy Garoppolo or Jared Goff or Matthew Stafford. And so to me, that's the difference because everything else is the same. These guys don't have any head coaching experience. They have no play calling experience. They all come from the same coaching tree. They're all going to run the same offense. Um, so yeah, it, it's just a toss up for me. Um, you know, we'll see. Maybe O'Connell will be good. He's, he's sounds like he's a pretty smart guy, pretty well liked, but I, I don't – the only thing I disagree with you is I don't know if they should have gone defense just because they had the defensive guy in Zimmer for so many years, and it only got them so far, even when they had elite defenses. And so, you know, I would like to see them try to get more out of this offense, which, like you said, has some really dynamic players. Is O'Connell the guy who's going to do that? I don't know. Probably not. Um, 
definitely not with Kirk Cousins, in my opinion. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> like, you know, so. Um, but, you know, maybe maybe they've got one more year with him and then they can draft, you know, Bryce Young or some stud in, in the 2020, uh, 2023 draft. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Just, again, this middle group of coaches, it's all like a toss-up for me. But, yeah, who did you have it for? Yeah, I, I feel you on that, man. Uh, really quick, uh, with what you're saying, where you wouldn't go D, you would go with the offensive guy to maybe try to maximize a win-now type of team, try to get the most you can out of Kirk Cousins, even though, like I said, I don't really like him. I don't think he's very good, and you don't think he's very good either. Um, but I, I can see where you're going with that, so that's a really good point. So I just want to give you give you some love for that. Yeah. So my number four um, is my guy, Lovey Smith, at number four uh-huh. of yeah, the, yeah. the Houston Texans. So uh, I wanted to put this one higher. I really did because I like the higher. I just think the Texans are – an absolutely terrible team and a horrible organization that is bereft of talent virtually everywhere. And that's no slight to the players. They just, they they drafted, they haven't drafted that well. Bill O'Brien was a disaster. That's another guy who was getting head coaching interviews, yes. which was hilarious to me. I'm like, oh, Bill O'Brien, he single-handedly, from a football you know standpoint, destroyed the Texans. And that's who you want to be your head coach. Um, so, but uh, yeah, I, I love Lovey. Uh, I, I, we talked about him last week on the show. I'm a huge fan. His resume speaks for itself. Uh, like we said, I'm, he's the first um, co- coach of color, especially at least the first African American coach to get three separate head coaching jobs. Mm-hmm. So, you know, much respect to him. He's like I said, he's been to a Super Bowl, coach of the year, multiple division titles championship game appearances. He's done it all for the Bears. Tampa Bay didn't work out that well. I feel like he didn't get a really great shake at it. You know what I mean? They they were pretty bad, and then they drafted James, famous Jameis, and they were still bad. But they weren't as horrible. I want to say they were 7-9, and nine, I want to say, which was the same record that Bruce Arians had, by the way, before, ta, before uh, uh, Tom Brady came by and asked if he could uh, lead him to a Super Bowl. But mm-hmm. – uh, yeah, so that's kind of a way that things are different, if you know what I mean. But, uh, yeah, so I think that uh, the person who they went after him was Dirk Cutter, who was a disaster. So I think it's kind of hilarious that uh, the same thing happened with the Bears. After Lo- after Lovey left, it was, it's been pretty much a clown show ever since then. So I just think, like I said, the resume speaks for himself. He should be hired just based off uh, the best coaches on this list. But the Texans are so bad. I don't know if he's going to be successful because they're set up to fail. Like even David Culley, we talked about David Culley, they were set up to fail. The fact that they won as many games as they did last year and were competitive in a lot of games is a huge testament to me that the players liked David Culley and they played hard for him. Um, Your guy, General Mills, I actually think he could be a solid – he could be a Kirk Cousins type of quarterback, I think. And while we said we're not very high on Kirk Cousins – Kirk Cousins has made the playoffs. You know what I mean? They're competitive at the very least. I don't think he's an elite quarterback, and I don't think he's going to win a Super Bowl with them. But from what I saw from General Mills, you know, Davis Mills, is that I think he can be. I think he can be a passable. I think he can be a Jimmy G type of guy. You know what I mean? Jimmy G went to a Super Bowl, um, so I think I think he could be in that range. I don't think he's ever going to be elite or even a star, but I think he can be good enough that he can. You know. 
be a solid guy. I don't want to say game manager because it has a bad connotation to it, but he can be a Jimmy G type of guy. You know what you're getting with him. He can take you so far, right? So I, I think I think they might have lucked into that one. They drafted him in the second round, so they might have lucked into that. But uh, with Nick Caserio and you know whole, the whole New England thing there. But uh, yeah, I just don't think the Texans are going to be very good. So I can't put Lovey any higher than I have him. But I'm really happy for him. He's of all the coaches hired, he's definitely one of the most, if not the most, deserving on this list, just based off of resume. And I wish them all the best. I just think the Texans are a horrible franchise, the way they're run, the organization's a disaster. So I just don't see I don't see how it's going to work, but I wish him all the best, and I'd, I'd like to see him be successful. You know what I mean? So um, I got Lovey Smith at four. So how about you, my guy? Who is uh, – oh, it's my turn. My bad. So we're, we're yeah. going on to three here. Uh, my number three is Dennis Allen from the Saints. So this was a hire where it was a guy you want to keep it in house. You know what I mean? You just want to, like you said, you want to keep a continuity thing. So I felt like, you know, I was okay with this one. I was okay with staying in house with this one. It made sense to transition from a guy that all the players are familiar with. He's been a head coach before, even though they weren't very good because the Raiders weren't very good. But the defense has been really good to solid while he's been there. I mean, he's a Peyton guy. He worked with him a lot. It just makes the most sense if you want to keep the continuity. I will say I think it's pretty shady that Sean Payton had uh, had um, Taysom Hill give him a nice extension, and then he dips out and leaves him. <laughs> leaves, uh, yeah. He leaves Dennis Allen holding the bag with Taysom Hill as his quarterback. So I don't think Famous Jameis will be back. I think he'll probably get some – hopefully he can get healthy. But I'm hoping he makes a little bit more money. I think he's worth more than the, you know, the smaller amount that he got just based on pure talent. For a team that's willing to give them a you know a year, so we'll see. But uh, their offense, who knows what's going to happen with their offense? Like I said, with Kamara and his very questionable and just horrible decisions, and Michael Thomas, he doesn't seem like he's really happy in New Orleans. I think he'll probably be on his way out, which is understandable. So who knows how their offense is going to look? But their defense is pretty much the crux of this team. Uh, so I think that it makes sense for me. Not not like a really super exciting hire. It just seems to me like it's it's a sensible hire. Like it makes sense why they went yeah. that way. So I don't have any problems with it. So I'm like, you know what? I'll give it. A, I'll, I'll give it a top three, especially considered what we had to work with here. Uh, I'm like, you know, it's, it's a solid <laughs> hire. I don't have any problems with it really. Um, I don't really have any objections to it. I'm like, oh, I, I get it. It makes sense. We'll go with that. So, what about you, Pat? Uh, who do you got at three? Yeah. So three. Um, again, this is the last one where you can have my number seven as my number three. My number three is my seven. It's th- this middle group to me is all just kind of in the same range, but I, I'd Mike McDaniel here, which is a little higher. And it, it's less about him as a coach. Cause like I said, not a ton of experience, not a ton of play calling, and it's more about his fit and, and filling a need with the dolphins. They need an offensive coach who's going to coach Tua up. They need a guy. They need a run game. You you said it. I mean, Tua has had absolutely nothing to work with on that side of things. They finally got him his receiver. They've been great. He he let, he broke the rookie record for reception. So, um, but they need a run game. Like that's the thing that can, you know, and that's what, how Tua succeeded at Alabama. They had great running backs, great, great offensive line. And he was able to just like, you know, pick apart, um the the secondary with really accurate throws so um i will say like i've i watched some videos and interviews with him he seems like a really genuine guy he seems well liked 
And, and here's what really elevated him to me. Everyone who works with him from players to coaches said he's a, he's a great, great culture guy. And I think after this whole Flores thing, that's the thing they need the most. Like he, he was just a guy who alienated. It seems like any, everybody and anybody in the locker room. And so I think a guy who's going to bring people together, who's young, who's charismatic. Now, the thing here is he's a first-time head coach, and they're a team that is not as bad as some of these other teams, right? Like, they're on the cusp. And so, you know, they might honestly take a step back this year. Who knows? Um, just, like, adapting to a new coach. But, you know, I think – I don't know. I think they did the right thing getting rid of Flores ultimately – I think bringing in a guy who people like <laughs> and who enjoy who they enjoy working with, I think that can go a long way. Um, you know, as someone who's worked with good colleagues, bad colleagues, good bosses, bad bosses, it goes a long way to to a person's performance who is kind of you know standing up for them and supporting them. So I went with McDaniel here, um, but uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. He could be a total bust. Who knows? <laughs> like any of these guys, it's all very. They're all kind of mysteries, except for some who have, who we know are bad. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, man, I like that. I like the way you put that. Um, I think, yeah, between him and O'Connell and Hackett, he was the best of the the, the three for me. And mm -hmm. I see what you mean. I, and also, we forgot to mention he's a, a colored coach. He's a coach of color, so I was happy to see that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, to see uh, some diversity there. So, because you're obviously the backlash when you're going from a coach of color, Latino coach to if you would have went with a non-coach of color, there would have been a lot of pushback for, you know, understandable reasons. So um, I was glad to see that. So diversity higher, you know what I mean? See them get opportunities. So I was happy for that. So I, I agree with you. I think that they just needed a coach that believes in Tua and mm -hmm. says, okay, I can. And I think I saw a text that I really liked that they leaked was that he said he told Tua, my job is to make you the is to make you as the best quarterback that you can be. Something to that extent, I'm paraphrasing here, but I like that because obviously you you put all your chips in, you put the whole franchise invested in Tua. You have to bring a coach in who believes Tua is that dude. You know what I mean? So I like that, and obviously McDaniel did that because I mean, if he didn't, if he doesn't think that way, he probably could have said, "Okay, now I'm good. I'll stay as OC of the the Niners, and I'll probably get a head coaching job next year." You know what I mean? You see the Shanahan McVay pipeline; it's becoming. So yeah. I think he would have been good. So he must really see something there. And like you said, that's it's a pretty good job. Of these jobs that are there, that was probably one of the best ones. You know what I mean? That was there one of the one of one of two that was probably the best jobs available was the Dolphins job. I mean, granted the whole Stephen Ross thing, who knows what's going on with that? Um, but if you just talk about the team, the talent wise, it's a pretty solid job. So he got. We'll see what happens. Right? I think he could be successful. We'll see. Um, so my, my, uh, oh wait, it's your turn. My bad. I keep getting confused here. <laughs> my bad. My bad. Yeah. Um, we're on two now. Yeah. yeah. We're on two. So who is your number two of the, 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 the least worst <laughs> Yeah. Second my, least my, worst. My number two was, uh, was Lovey. Uh, I had Lovey Smith at number two, if only because like we've, as has become very obvious, a lot of unproven coaches here on this list. Um, he's someone who has a proven track record of winning in the NFL. He has a winning record. 
despite being saddled with some pretty mad teams. Um, he has made the playoffs. He's made the Super Bowl. Um, yeah, you said it. Like the Texans are a disaster of an organization. That guy Casario, I think, is terrible. I I, I have no idea how he got that job. Um, I guess because of Bill man. Bill O'Brien. Those ties run deep, man. Yeah, I mean this. Their last, and you know, I, I I see what you're saying, like Lovey not being in a good situation. Their last guy, Coley, it exceeded all. No one, I, me and you certainly didn't have them winning four games. That was the that was the least talented roster. In the yeah, I was thinking one or two, if not lose every game. Yep. Yeah, he won them four games with a garbage roster and they canned him after a year that that was shady that was just like that's mad mad shady to me but i do think lovey smith brings some stability and some leadership um right he knows what he's doing he's got a lot of respect um so i just think you know especially considering the names being thrown out there were brian flores and josh mccown um i think considering the other options they were they were thinking about um, they dodged a big bullet and, and getting, getting lovey and bringing, having an adult in the building is I think what they need right now. They're not going to be any good. Like, don't, don't get me wrong. They're not that maybe they'll win five games or six. Um, but they still don't really have much talent on that roster. Um, so, you know, it, this isn't going to be a guy who's winning, but I, hopefully it's a guy who improves the culture. I mean, multiple you know jj watt who i think is a pretty stand-up guy you know he he ragged on them going out he was like this this the what this franchise has turned into is disgrace um you know i used to be proud to wear that jersey um so i i just think they need to they need it they have to change something something has to be better so i'm glad lovey's getting his third shot i think he deserved it um, we'll see what he can do with this <laughs> franchise. Uh, I, I hope he can surprise some folks and, and make something out of nothing. But, um, yeah, love, lovey was my number two hire of this, uh, of this group. Yeah. Um, I like that. I, I think they're going to play hard for lovey. Uh, maybe they might not be very good. Maybe another four wins, maybe less, but yeah. they will play hard for lovey. I know that. And I think he'll have the respect of his players. Right. Like I said, he's just got the cachet. He's a guy. He's like, I've been to a Super Bowl. You know what I mean? He's he's got the resume. So I, I wish him all the best. But it's a tough situation. And really quickly, since you brought up the Josh McCown situation, uh, yeah, Casario. I don't really know what he's doing. I don't think he's he hasn't been very good so far. But uh, also, if Josh McCown, which I've heard a lot of reports say that that's who they really wanted to hire, who has never coached an NFL level. He was an NFL quarterback for a while. Recently retired, uh, not that long ago, and he's never coached in college. He's never, he's not even the head coach of a high school team. He doesn't even coach the high school team head coach. So if he would have got hired, I think every coach in the NFL, regardless if you're a positions coach, anything, anybody who has a job with the word coach in the NFL should have been outraged. Rightfully yep. so. I don't care what your background is, you know what I mean, what you identify as. I don't care. They should have been outraged that he skipped the line that far ahead. He didn't he didn't just skip the line. He 
he, you know what I mean? He pole vaulted, he leapfrogged <laughs> the line. Remember, when he used to play leapfrog, he jump over the more people every yeah. time. He leapfrogged the line, man. It's like my one of my favorite movies is a, a Bronx Tale, which yep. I know you could love. You know, remember when they're playing leapfrog in the beginning? They're wop, 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 wop. Yeah, that's what it felt like with him. He was just like wop, wop, a wop, wop, wop over the friggin' line because I'm like, this guy really, you know what I mean? I know he's a former player. Hey, he could be a great head coach, but. He doesn't coach. Let him, let him coach at the let college level. Let him do his level. time, yeah. Yeah, let him coach the college level, or maybe let him be like a quarterback's coach or something on an NFL team. Yeah. Before we give, before we start talking about head coaching, that's just insane. Um. So my number, but yeah, just wanted to give my thoughts on that. My number two is Josh McDaniels. So I want the plural McDaniel here. So Josh yeah. McDaniels is mine for the the, the Raiders, and uh, I went with that just because the guy he's coached before it was an absolute disaster in Denver. I said I wasn't really – it wasn't the best hire. It was kind of, like I said, it was one of the least worst I could find. He did. He was with Tom Brady for almost forever, it felt like. There's got to be something there. Uh, their team is pretty solid. I, I like the Raiders. I think I like their, their team construction, at least, is pretty solid. Getting rid of Gruden is probably one of the best things they ever could have did, not even from a personal or ethical standpoint. From a football standpoint, he was kind of destroying this team. They got rid of Mike Mayock, too. They did the – you know, the – the uh, the the two guys bringing them in, you know, bringing in my guy, hook me up type of situation, which we talked about with Leftwich, but whatever. So I think it could be successful. Uh, he did he did have a, a guy who completed sixty seven percent of his passes this past year. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and uh, our McCorkle Jones. So if he can yeah. make McCorkle Jones even get some buzz and make the playoffs for uh, some buzz for <laughs> offensive player of the year, rookie offensive player of the year. And uh, so make the playoffs, you know what I mean? That I think that he can do pretty well with Derek Carr, who's a pretty solid quarterback. He's pretty mm-hmm. good. So uh, I agree with you. It should have been Rich Bisaccia. I thought that was just another one that just made so much sense, like with the left which one. It just seemed like it was tailor-made. But, hey, they wanted to, you know, go for the other bigger name, I guess. So we'll see. But that was that was probably the best. The two best jobs to me in terms of team construction was the Dolphins and the Raiders. So I just went with McDaniel's. We'll see. I mean, he's got to be something, right? He's he's. I thought he was going to wait until Coach Corpse retired and take that job, but Coach Corpse will probably never retire until he is a corpse. Unfortunately, he seems like he's <laughs> never going to leave. And I mean, they're successful. Why not? So uh, Josh McDaniel's is my uh, number two. Nice. Yeah. So we are uh, at the last, the least worst coaching hire. And uh, those of you who are paying close attention, you can see that uh, we've arrived at the same candidate. So uh, my number one is Brian Dable of the G-Men, the New York football giants. So uh, Dable for me, I think he was one of the coaches that I I thought that if you're looking for offensive guy, that's who I would have went in that direction. We've talked about this even last year. Uh, my two coaches who I thought that if I was hiring somebody, I would I would really want to take a look at was Leftwich Dable. You could flip them. They you know Dable Leftwich, Leftwich Dable, whatever you want to go, right? Those are my two guys that I thought like if I need an offensive guy, that's who I'd like to hire, right? Uh, you look at uh, just what he did with Stud Allen. He kind of checks the boxes for me in terms of Stud Allen went from being a guy who was a high draft pick. He wasn't sensational just yet, and we see what happened last year, and then we saw him get even better this year. You know what I mean? 
I mean, he was second in MVP voting last year, so statistically maybe he wasn't better. But if you just look at how much of a step forward he took, and he is the clear leader, he's he's a top five quarterback, and I don't, I don't really think there's much debate with that, especially with uh, Tom Brady retiring. He's easily a top five quarterback, and to me, to us, he's even higher than that. So I like the way he kind of developed him. I like the way the offense worked. The only thing about Dable is that he didn't really emphasize the running game, but I think with Saquon Barkley, if he comes back healthy, I think it can be a really great move. I love this hire. I like the Joe. I like the Joe Shane hire from Buffalo, and obviously he brought in his own guy. We see that you know where's this trend here, hooking up your homies. Um, so I, I like this hire a lot. I think it's great. I, I think he he was a guy I would have hired. So if he does you know doesn't work out. And I'll be like, hey, I was wrong. It didn't work out. But I think of any of the guys that have never been a head coach before, this was a guy that I could say, okay, he did a great job teaching a quarterback, and now we can see that quarterback is the elite. And I mean, he at least had some some uh, some uh, role in that. You know what I mean? And he should have got hired by the Chargers last year. So you know what I mean? Their mistake is the Giants' fortune, maybe. We'll see, right? Um, but that I said, Dable, to me, he was clearly the number one for a while, especially when we saw all this starting to shake out. It was going to be hard to kind of knock him off for me just based off of the pedigree and everything. So uh, Brian Dable is my number one. So P. Moore, uh, go ahead. <laughs> what you Yeah. Think? So, um, you know, full transparency, I'm, I'm a big Giants fan. And so I might have my rose-tinted uh, uh, swimming goggles on right your, now. Your blue, uh, your big yeah, blue glasses. My, my big blue-tinted glasses. Um, but this was the guy who I wanted them to hire going into the offseason. Um, when they hired Joe Shane, I was really excited because I thought that was pointing towards a Dable hire, and ultimately it did. Um, the reason this is, to me, was such a good hire, two, two reasons. First, the Giants used to be like a desirable – coaching location i think um you know there was a long time where like they were considered a really respectable respectful respectable franchise they had good ownership um they had continuity they had pride um it's gone off the rails the last 10 years really badly i think the owners share most of that blame they hired the wrong people they have not made the right decisions um so I was quite frankly, like a little surprised he decided to take this job um, coaching Daniel Jones and not say, you know, the Dolphins or the Raiders or some teams with kind of some higher upside QBs. Apparently um, he was, uh, apparently he was very interested in the Miami job too. And I mm -hmm. think once, I'm sorry to interrupt, but apparently when he was really interested in Miami, because obviously he was at Alabama the two the two a torch connection yeah. but uh when shane got hired it was kind of like assumed that he's going to bring in his dude so but yeah, yeah. Just, and, just to kind of put that so he was interested in miami from everything i've heard yeah and and what kind of plagued the giants really the last four years during the gettleman era besides gettleman being an absolute moron um was the fact that like <laughs> gettleman was not in sync with the coaching staff right and so now we have two guys with a history of working together they they know how each they like to work they they're going to be very you know cooperative it'll just be a lot more functional um listen i i don't have any illusions that daniel jones is going to turn into josh allen i'm 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 not that dumb even with my uh 
blue tinted, uh, my big blue tinted glasses. Um, but I, you know, I saw some stuff from Jones. I've seen glimpses. I've seen stuff. I think it's worth giving him a real offensive coach who knows what he's doing and see if it works. And if it doesn't, guess what? We can go back to the, the draft or go back wherever and try to find a better quarterback. But I think they did right by their young quarterback who has not been good and who we've criticized a lot, but to be fair, has not gotten any help. Got, hasn't gotten support, hasn't gotten any kind of functional coaching ethos or anything like that. Um, and to me, just like his hires on his staff are what top the cake to me. I mean, get, getting Wink Martindale as your DC, that's a, that's a steal. Uh, that guy was awesome. He was the scapegoat of everything that happened to the Ravens this year. Um, I, I think they're going to regret letting him go. Um, he's going to continue to run a three, four, uh, defense for them. And they have, you know, some personnel to do that. Um, so I think with him, he hired the, the offensive, um, the pat, the former passing game coordinator for Kansas city. And, you know, we've said, we're not big on the Reed coaching tree, but, um, you know, I think Dable has proven he's a great offensive guy, even if he's not calling the plays, um, I think he can he can set up a good system for him. So I was thrilled with this um, hire. I think the Giants made all the right moves versus everything they've been doing the last four years. When they hired um, Judge, I immediately was like, "What are they doing? <laughs> Who a special teams guy? Like, hey, what are you he's doing? Got, he's still got guys calling him that want to come play for him. So. Yeah, right. Yeah, and he's I in know. the league now, so." There's gonna yeah. be there's gonna be a, a mass exodus to New England now to be with Joe yeah. Judge. Yeah, they all want to they want they all want to play on the the New England special teams. Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, so I I thought it was a it was a home run. Now the big challenge is gonna come this off season. The Giants are I think over the freaking salary cap with this terrible team. Somehow that's how bad Gettleman was. Um, so Shane has said he's gonna clear some cap space. He's gonna really try to get. He said he's trying to clear up to forty million dollars of cap space, which means some some big contracts that we've handed out are gonna be kind of those guys are gonna be cut or moved on or traded. Um, so I don't know what the team's going to look like, uh, by the end of the off season. Um, but I know it'll involve Jones. I know it'll involve Saquon Barkley. I hope it'll involve it, new offensive linemen. Um, and yeah, I think the, the defense is in really good hands too. So, um, I'm optimistic, cautiously optimistic. Um, you have to be these days as a Giants fan. It's been a, been a rough, rough last decade for sure. But I finally feel good about the coaching staff. Um, though I don't know, I felt fine about Judge last summer. Not, but not. I wasn't. I thought I. I said he was fine. Like I didn't. I. I didn't love him. Didn't hate him. He was fine. Now he. Cha- he did a real good job of changing my mind this year. But um, <laughs> yeah. So you know, I think they did win the off season in terms of the coaching stuff. Let's see what they can do with their roster. But you know, cautiously optimistic here. Um, yeah, just some final thoughts on this. So say what you want about Coach Corpse. He hooks his guys up, man. If you stay in his good graces, he will give you a job. We saw a lot of people come yeah. crawling back. Mm-hmm. They come crawling saw, back. <laughs> when I saw they hired Joe Judge, I'm like, Joe, really? Oh my god. Like Coach Corpse is just if you uh if you're if you're you know good to him, he'll hook you up and you can come back. 
So I was yeah. like, man, because I don't, I wouldn't even go anywhere near Joe Judge. So um, a funny thing about uh, Mike Kafka, who's the new OC at the Giants, I wasn't great about the hire. I wasn't happy about it. I don't like the recoaching tree. You know, I actually graduated high school with his little brother. Um, so that's like my connection. Oh, really? He's a Chicago guy. Kafka is. He got drafted by the Eagles. Um, so yeah, I went graduate high school with his brother. So I wasn't really close to his brother. So I'm not like saying like I know him or anything, but I high by with his younger brother. And he was there, I think when I was, I think when he was a senior, I was a freshman. He was the quarterback of the team. So uh, yeah. So I mean, I've, I've seen him. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't yeah, know him yeah. at all. But yeah, that was kind of funny. I thought he's an OC in the league now. So that's cool. Chicago guy. So um, I wasn't crazy about that, you know, regardless of my quote unquote ties to them. But uh, I love the Wink Martindale hire. Like we both were like, oh man, it's such a great hire. Uh, I thought that there's other teams that should have jumped on that. But so far, I really like the hires that, that Dable is doing. And uh, this is the make or break year for uh, Danny Dimes, or as we like to call him, Sweaty Nichols, because he can't hold on to the ball. Um, <laughs> where uh, if he can't do it this year, then I think he's he's done. I think he's yeah. done with the Giants at least because I don't really know what else you can do. You brought in a guy, maybe the best, one of the best guys you could have brought in to maximize his potential. And if he can't do it, then I think he's done. And uh, Dable's kind of playing with house money, and so is Shane. Like Gettleman, like made this such a disaster that if they're really bad again this year, it's a good quarterback draft next year. Mm-hmm. So you know what I mean. You got Caleb Williams and. Uh, Bryce Young will be coming out next year probably. I don't see him staying for three years. So uh, there's a lot of guys that will be coming out that are pretty solid. You know what I mean? So I think it's a, they're playing with house money. So we'll see. We're both high on it. We both like the Giants. So I was really happy with this hire. It was I really was happy with, you know, aside from all the other things that were said about it. But just from a football standpoint, I was happy with it too. So, yeah, that's our, that's our uh, coaching hire rankings. Pretty awful. Uh, coaching <laughs> uh, coaching period, I guess you could say, and there'll be a lot more next year because it's a quick turnaround in the NFL. But overall, I'd say the hirings were there. It was a stinker hiring cycle. I'd say nothing too exciting aside from a couple guys here and there. What about you? Any yeah. closing thoughts on that, homie? No, just that, like, you know, we're now back in a place where what are there, two – Maybe two blackhead coaches. Um, McDaniel, like you said, I think he's biracial. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Rivera. Um, yeah, we got McDaniel, you know, just we got McDaniel of, and Tomlin for African-American it, coaches. Yep, we got Ron um, Rivera with Washington. And we got Robert Saleh with the Jets. Yeah. Who's, but, yeah. you know, it just seems like, as usual, it's like a bunch of young white guys kind of skipping the line, um, which is a bummer. Um, I think part of that is just the obsession with McVay and Shanahan and you know, good for them getting their, their guys jobs. Right. Like that, that's, I think speaks, you know, that that's going to help them hire new people. Right. And get, get new staff. But um, there were some folks that didn't get hired that I really am surprised didn't, you know, left, which um, the enemy, um, you know, guys like that who, Todd Bowles, yeah. I thought might have Todd Bowles, yeah, right. Like, 
even Leslie Frazier, I know he had that meltdown in the Super Bowl. I, I think that lost, lost it. I think that lost you it. You think for that him. lost it? For I him, said maybe. that. I'm like, I wouldn't touch it with a ten foot pole now, but yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. that was terrible, but yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how all of it pans out, but yeah, yeah. Um, you know, next kind of thing we'll be looking at free agency in the draft. So yeah, you know, hopefully, you know, we can start to see how these things take shape the next uh, couple months. Maybe we'll see. Uh, maybe we'll see some people from the Tomlin coaching tree. I mean, he's never had a losing season. Yeah, right. So it would be nice <laughs> to see maybe some of his guys. You know, especially now that they're going to get a new quarterback, we'll see what happens. Yeah. But maybe some Tomlin guys would be cool to see for yeah. a guy who's just you know oozes success. So we'll see, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, that's that's our uh, kicking it segments. Yeah. And let's move. Uh, let's go ahead and switch it off to some hoops talk. So I'm going to kick yeah. it to the hoops guru. Yeah. All right. So for our our next segment and shoot hoops, um, we are going to talk about some really big trades that went down in the NBA. Uh, the trade deadline was, um, I believe, February tenth. Um, it was last week. Um, we saw some really big moves go down. Um, it was one of the more exciting trade deadlines I'd say in a while. Um, and so I kind of just want to, you know, I can talk all day about this stuff, um, but I kind of just want to go through a couple of, I, to me, we have three really big deals. Um, and I want to kind of just get, I want to hear your take about who you feel like are the winners and the losers in each of these trades. Um, and then we'll we'll mention a couple of other trades of note um, because there, there have been some, some solid, some stars moved, but also some, you know, solid players. So first big one, it's the elephant in the room. Let's just get it out of the way. Um, is the James Harden Ben Simmons trade. So this trade was um Brooklyn traded James Harden and Paul Millsap to Philadelphia for Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and two first round draft picks. Um it was something that had been brewing uh for about a week leading up to the trade deadline. Um, it's pretty obvious when James Harden wants a trade because he just stops basically playing. He just says like, I'm not going to do my job and I'm going to just go out there and look lost and lackadaisical. It's the exact same thing he did with Houston. He started doing with Brooklyn, you know, and so it's, it started to, to build steam. Um, so yeah, I'm going to, you know, you're, you love, you love the, uh, the Philadelphia 76ers, um, you know, I know you you wanted them to make a trade to trade Simmons for a star. Um, Harden's a star. I mean, whether you think that star is rising or falling is another question. Um, and whether you think that star works with their big star, their number one star, is also another question. So yeah, let me. What do you what do you think about this trade? Who do you thought think won it? Um, what are your kind of just knee jerk reactions? Yeah, so uh, I we trust the process on this show. Um, Joel Embiid's one of my favorite players in the league. Just full transparency. I've even got you liking the Sixers. I've kind of got you on the train a little bit here with them. Thankfully, you've, you've started you've to trust the process now, too. Um, so that's there's that. So I don't know, man. I'm, I'm kind of all over the place with this one, but I was th- I've been thinking about it you know, for a while, ever since it happened. And initial reaction was I was very disappointed for the fact that I feel like um, Philly gave up way too much 
in this trade. And the reason why I feel like they gave up too much was I, I didn't like how they threw in Seth Curry in this trade. I, I thought that he was the guy that I would have been like, no, you, you can't have him. I'm giving you two first-round picks and Andre Drummond, which is going to help you because you're a small team with no true center. And I'm giving you a rebound machine in the big penguin, Andre Drummond. That's his nickname. The big penguin, who is a rebound machine, he can get you 25 rebounds on a given night if he gets the minutes. And I'm I'm you know hurting our depth now for when the process is out, who's gonna you know pick up the production there? So I I doubt that uh, I thought that Brooklyn definitely won this trade in terms of assets. Uh, I, you can call the Simmons Harden trade a wash, like those two players a wash, and just talk about everything else that was given. I mean, the Sixers got Millie. They got Paul Millsap, so huge ups there for them uh, for getting him. I, I like Paul Millsap. Uh, he was he's pretty much on a decline though. When you, yeah, me and you were talking yes. about it when he was on our uh, on our our Nugs, he was kind of on a decline in the playoffs. He didn't look like he had that much left in the tank. So this is probably just to make the money work, um, but and or the roster size, what have you. So uh, I feel like they gave up too much. I wouldn't have given Curry. And I'm a little bit skeptical of the fit. So what I'm skeptical of the fit is, is I think that I'm I'm curious to see how it's going to work in their starting lineup when you have Maxi at the point. I'm assuming he'll play the point. And you got uh, Earthworm Jim at the two. And obviously you got the process at center. So I'm curious how it's going to work because Harden is such a ball-dominant player that it's going to maybe take touches away from Maxi, and it's going to help be harder for him to facilitate the offense. Maybe move Maxi to two, but to me, he's more of a one. So I, I thought it would have been a better fit. I wouldn't have wanted to give up Maxi, but I would have did it to keep Seth Curry. And because I'd rather have Jim play the point, have Curry at the two. And that way when Harden is, you know, ISO ball dominating the ball, and the shot clock gets low, you can kick it out to Curry because, you know, we both know the Currys move great without the ball. That's what they all do. You know what I mean? And you can kick it to him and he'll put up a three, three ball in the corner or something, right, to bail you out. I don't see that so much now. I think Maxie's a great player. I like him a lot. And I wouldn't. I don't think they should have given up anything extra. I think even the two first-rounders in Drummond was a little high for me. But, I mean, if it makes it work to get Simmons out, you do it, right? But to give Curry too, I think they kind of got. I think they got. Uh, well, what did you tell me? They got fleeced. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Brooklyn fleeced Philly. I think Maury fell in love with his guy. And to be real, I would have. Uh, I would have waited until this summer to see what happens with Lily in Portland. I really would have. And I think that fit is so much better because in that trade, you probably would have had to give up Maxi. I would assume they probably want Maxi back, which is fine. You give up Simmons. And Port- Portland, you you know Portland can't help getting another small guard. Yeah, they would have wanted a small guard backcourt. They would have <laughs> did it again with him and Simons. You know what I mean? Yeah. They would trade <laughs> yep. one small backcourt for another one. Your favorite. You love the small guards. So uh, I, I get it. I would have did that for Lily. I just think Lily's a better player than Earthworm Jim at this point in their career. I think he is. Uh, the thing with Harden is that I don't I don't like how he he pretty much has forced his way out twice now. And I think he's putting a lot of pressure on himself, a lot of pressure on Maury. And I just don't know about the the fit also in uh, from a personality standpoint. Because to me, 
the process seems like a real like no nonsense type of dude. Like I just want a ball. I don't want any excuses. The fans boo me. I don't care. I'm not gonna go and cry about it or whatever. I'm just gonna do my job, right? I do what I do. I hoop. And Harden's more like the, you know, what you think of like the stereotypical athlete. You know what I mean? Flashy, likes to go out and do this, this and that. You know what I mean? So like, I don't know how that's gonna work because I feel like if Harden start, if he want, if he's gonna pull some of the stuff that he did in Houston or in uh, Brooklyn, and Maury obviously condoned that behavior in Houston. And I don't think it's gonna work. And I think I think Joel Embiid's gonna be like, "No, nah, we don't, homie, don't play that. We don't do that over here." You know what I mean? And it could be a disaster. So I think it has the potential to be. They could be successful, but also has the potential to be a disaster, in my opinion, just because of personality clash. We saw what happened with Simmons when he uh, quote wasn't mentally ready to play, which pretty much means that I don't want to play for you, but I'll play for anybody else, and I'll be all right. So that's nonsense there, but. Uh, I think it's a situation where it could work really well, but it could not work well. So I'm going to sit in the middle on this one. And I would have even preferred maybe they go after somebody else just because of they, before they had to give up. We were even talking about maybe like a De'Aaron Fox trade might be interesting if they were looking at lower guys who aren't at the same like superstar level. But I would say that if they make, I'd say they better make the conference finals this year. They need to. And if they don't make the conference finals this year, then they would have been better off waiting until next year. They really would have. So I'm going to say that if they don't make the conference finals, which they haven't made in a while, even with the process, then it wasn't worth it and they overpaid and they should have waited. If they do make the conference finals, you could say, okay, maybe it was worth it. But with Harden being there, and who knows how long he's going to be there, especially what we see when he wants out, he wants out. He looks like he might be on a decline. Maybe he'll be more motivated now to win the title. We'll see. Philly was his first choice, apparently, which we all know is a lie. But um, I think it's a situation where if they I'll, – I'll say this. I'm going to sit in the middle on it, and I'm going to say if they make a finals, that it was probably worth it. And if they win a title, then obviously who cares you won a title. I mean, look at what Toronto did. They rented a player, and they won a title out of it. So it's worth it, right, to win because who knows when you're going to get another chance. But if they make a finals, I'll say, okay, fine. It was probably worth it. I'm, I'm cool with giving up Curry. If they don't, in the hardened tenure with Embiid, then I'm going to say they should have waited and maybe try to explore a Lillard trade. So that's where I'm standing on it. I'm not going to overreact. I've seen people on both sides of the spectrum where it's a horrible trade. It's a good trade. I'm so excited they're going to win the title. I'm in the middle. I think it could go either way. It could be successful. It could be a disaster. But uh, what about you, Guru? What, how do you feel about this yeah. trade? It's a, it's an interesting one for sure. Yeah. So I think talking about this requires some nuance and some kind of couching some of the things I'm going to say. But I'll start here. Brooklyn won the trade. I mean, th- to me, there's no kind of doubt in my mind um, that Brooklyn won it. And the reason is I would have – like when I was when they were talking about this trade, I was thinking like maybe Simmons and one other player, or maybe Simmons and a pick for Harden. Harden is not. We we talked about this with our All Star stuff. He has not looked good this year. Um, he 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 is having one of his worst seasons of his career. Um, hasn't looked good. Now, how much of that is because he doesn't want to be in Brooklyn? I don't know, but. You know, 
I don't know. He he doesn't look good. He doesn't look like he's motivated. He doesn't look like he's in shape. Maybe some of that will change. Um, but he has not looked good. And so to get him for not only Ben Simmons, who's a three-time All-Star, um, All-NBA, um, All-Defensive Team guy. I know. Now listen, me and you have been as critical as this guy as anyone. Um, we think he's soft. We think he um literally lost them the playoff series against uh atlanta but he's still a guy who fills a ton of needs for the nets um so just on that the the amount of stuff they gave up to me is was surprising um drummond was probably the best backup big man in the league this year he was a great backup um i don't think he's really a starting quality center anymore he's gonna get be paid honest, this offseason though so. he'll probably get paid yep he probably will um he looked pretty good against my knicks tonight i'll give him that um he you know he, he and he, like you said gives the nets something they desperately need which is size and rebounding so they got that they get seth curry who's one of the greatest shooters in the league and they add him to a roster that has three of the other best shooters in the league in Joe Harris, Patty Mills, and Kyrie Irving. Oh, and not to mention Kevin Durant. Um, and then two second rounders. And I think they gave up three second rounders in the original trade for Harden. So they like recouped some of their value there and now have draft picks again. Um, so I think from a value standpoint, the Nets certainly won. Now, Here's what I'll say. I think both teams got better. Um, I think both teams did get better in this trade. Harden brings something that Philadelphia has desperately needed since the process started, which is a star perimeter player. Perimeter player. Um, he shoots a lot of shots from the outside. He can run pick and roll. Um, he can kind of manage your offense. Now, you say you see Maxi playing more of the one. Harden playing the two, I kind of see those roles reversed. I think Harden is going to be more of the facilitator um, in this situation, kind of like what we saw from him on the Nets last year um, when he was traded from Houston. He came out and was like playing very much traditionally like a, a point guard, not being a ball hog, moving the ball around, getting it to Kyrie, getting it to Katie, doing that whole thing. And I think that opens up Maxi to be a little bit more of a slasher, a scorer, a get to the the, the cup kind of guy. Um, the losing losing Curry is going to hurt them. There's no doubt about it. But they did. It's not like they traded a great shooter and got a bad one back. They they got another really good shooter in in, in Harden. So when Embiid is doubled down there in the post and he kicks out to Harden. It's going to shoot it at like a 38, 39, 40% clip when no one's on him. Um, so I think they definitely got better. I think Ben Simmons landed in the – he lucked out, man. He got, he got so lucky that Harden asked out because he was going to get shipped to Sacramento or Indiana or a garbage team. Um, and now Portland, he lands in the yeah. – yeah, he, he lands in the perfect situation where he doesn't have to be the guy you rely on for a shot – in a game six uh, with a minute to go, which was the downfall, right? Like it's going to go to KD and he's going to shoot it even if he's doubled, um, right? And what he does bring is some playmaking, 
some rebounding, which again, size, which they need, um, and passing. He he can he can offer you some passing and yeah, incredible defense. So um he really lucked out with where he landed, but I do think Brooklyn did get better by switching out Harden for Simmons. Now, this all hinges on the whether Simmons is going to play, whether Kyrie is going to play, you know, all this stuff. Um, you know, how, you know, we said like Simmons might be a little broken, like honestly, just because of everything that happened last season. He looked broken in that playoffs. Dude was under the hoop and, and at six foot 10 and decided not to dunk it with Trey Young on him. So, you know, I need to see where he's at and see him play a basketball game and make a bucket and not look like he's completely lost, which the last time I saw him play basketball, he looked completely lost. So that's what I'll say there. But I do think ultimately value-wise, the Nets won. I think both teams did end up getting something they really needed, though. And I am also, like you, skeptical about this Harden thing. Listen, he he doesn't look good. He's on the wrong side of 30. They might need to, like, I don't know. I wouldn't want to give this guy a Supermax contract. I don't know about you. He's going to be on a monster deal. We're talking about 50, north of $50 million too. Yep. So, you know, that's risky. <laughs> it's really risky. But if you think it's going to help you win a championship in the next one, two, three years, I think, I think, you know, you take that chance and you do it. So we'll see Um, if he, if he plays like the Harden we saw in Houston, if he plays like the Harden we saw at times last year before he got hurt with the Nets, I think they, they got a really good player and he's going to be a really great compliment to Embiid. Um, but yeah, the only time will tell neither of them are going to be playing before the all-star game. So, um, we'll have to wait a little bit just to see how this all plays out. What would be, uh, what would be a success for you this year? Would you, would you say like, kind of like what I said, we're conference finals at the minimum, they have to make it for this to be a, a worthwhile trade or are you more like, well, even if they don't make the conference finals, maybe next year no. they will or something like they that. They got to make the conference finals. They, they have to, they haven't been able to get out of the second round. And they've blamed it on Simmons. They've blamed it on Brett Brown. They blamed it on everyone. Um, Glenn, that they could. Glenn Rivers. Glenn Rivers. No more. No, no more excuses. You make it to the conference finals. You have the best, arguably the best player in the league playing his best right now. If you don't make it to the conference finals, this season was another failure, in my opinion. Now, I don't know if they if they need to win the conference finals, um, but they need to show that they can get there and they need to be competitive. If they make it to the conference finals and lose 4-0 to Milwaukee, I still say, okay, so what? You just you just got dusted by, you know, the, the best team in your conference. What does that show me? Um, but yeah, I think I'm with you. They gotta make the conference finals and they gotta be competitive in it. It's gonna be fun, man. The East is not it's not Dude, the it's basketball there in the East where you just no. waltz right to the finals and no shade. I mean, getting to the finals is hard no matter who you got to play. You only play who's in front of you. But this is not uh this is this is uh this is closer to the uh the his airness east yeah, in 90s. the 90s than uh than uh, basketball bear and the bear in the East. This is uh this is tough. 
because you're going to have to play. You got obviously you got the the champions there. You got the Greek Freak and the Bucks. Brooklyn's not going to go anywhere. I'm not as high on them as you are. A lot of other people are, but I mean they're going to be a tough out no matter what. Mm-hmm. Even with just the Slim Reaper, not uh, the Flat Earthers, the Nets. Who's <laughs> like to call them the Flat <laughs> Earthers? Uh, they're going to be a tough out. And then the Bulls are on the come up. And uh, Boston, the Leprechauns look like they're on the come up a little bit finally. And it's going to be tough. You got a lot of even the teams that are in the play in are solid teams. So the East is really good this year. Cleveland, who you're really high on. Uh, it's going to be a tough out. I don't, I don't know if they're going to go far, but they're going to be a tough out. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, it's going to be fun, man. It's I, I can't wait for the playoffs. This might be the best playoffs we've seen in a long time. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. we'll see, right? Yeah, I hope so. Um, well, yeah, moving on to my the second of the three, what I consider to be the three big trades, um, is another one with some, some all-stars moving around. Um, so... The Sacramento Kings traded Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, and Tristan Thompson to the Indianapolis Pacers for DeMontis Sabonis, uh, Justin Holiday, and Jeremy Lamb. Um, so this one has a number of good players. Um, Sabonis is an all-star. Um, Halliburton is, I think, a potential all-star, a very good player. Um, healed is one of the premier sharpshooters and then Tristan Thompson's nothing, <laughs> but Justin holiday and Jeremy lamb are both like, I would say average at best wings. Um, I'm going to start this one off because I have very strong. Yeah, please. I was hoping you would start this one off and I want to follow and your lead, but please bless the, us with the, the guru take on this. Cause I can't wait. The Kings were going to land a slime ball for this one. Um, I have no clue what the hell this team is doing. I have no idea. <laughs> and and to be honest, they don't either. They have no idea what they're doing. Now, don't get me wrong. DeMontis Sabonis is a very good player. You know, I'm maybe not as high on him as some people because I like defense, and he doesn't really do that, um, and he doesn't <laughs> shoot, um, right? And so – those are some things I'm not as high on him as others, but he's a very good player. So I don't want to make it seem like they didn't get a good player. The what boy band did, hair, homie. He's got the boy band hair too. He's got the boy band hair. What they did is they had four guards that they had drafted, not Buddy Hill. They traded for Buddy Hill. They had four guards they had drafted, um, all really point guards. Not like Buddy Hill's a shooting guard, I guess, but he's got point guard size. Um, they kept doing it over and over again, year after year, drafting more guards. And you're like, why? And the one who showed the most promise, despite, I love De'Aaron Fox. I think he's a great player. It was Tyrese Halliburton. He was the best player you had. And you traded him in his second year. You And you kept uh, Davion Mitchell, no disrespect to him. He'll probably be a good player. You kept Fox. He's a good player. Halliburton was the best prospect of that bunch. He was on his rookie deal. He looked great running the point with Fox out. And you traded him. I just don't get that. Like, what the hell are you doing? Um, and now you got Sabonis back. But guess what? You just freaking paid Rashawn Holmes, who's another center who can't shoot, 
what the hell are you doing? Like, this is the worst team building I've ever seen. This is, it's horrible. And now I'll give them some love. Like, Fox has looked really freaking good the last, you know, couple games since he's come back from injury. He's looked good playing next to Sabonis. But this team didn't get any better. Their ceiling isn't any higher. They're a play-in. They're going to lose in the play-in, if that. And now you lost your kind of highest upside piece that you had. On the flip side, good on the Pacers. I mean, you get a you got Tyrese Halliburton, a great young point guard on a small contract because he was picked outside the top 10, so he doesn't have a big contract. You freed up some space for Miles Turner um, down low. They were playing this clunky two-center thing that didn't work. Your team makes more sense now. Um, you've got insurance for Malcolm Brogdon, who's always hurt. Now, you traded away some of your wing depth, which is – you know, tricky trading Levert and and Holiday and and um, Lamb, um, but you know this kid Dorte, their their rookie, um, is great. He's he's he should be starting. I love the the pairing of him next to Halliburton. Great combo. Um, again, Turner when he comes back, he'll be man in the middle. He's a very good defensive player. Um, maybe can do some more on offense. If TJ Warren ever comes back from injury, he could be really good. Um, so yeah, I, I just I just don't really know why they did that. Um, they felt like they had to make a move because they had four guards again that they drafted. So so it's like trying to making mistakes, trying to undo their past mistakes, which themselves were trying to undo their past mistakes. It's just a cycle there, man. Like this team is never going to be good. Like as long as they keep this up, and it's a shame because I actually I feel bad for the Sacramento fans. You know, as a, a suffering Knicks fan, I, I feel for them. But I mean, they just they they just they made a big mistake, and um, yeah, I you know I'm just I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and pretend like it was anything other than a massive f up. So. Um, but yeah, I don't know, man. Maybe maybe you're not as low on this as I am. You, I know you like you tend to be a little higher on Sabonis than I am. You love that those beautiful golden locks, uh, his boy band hair. Um, so yeah, what what were your thoughts about this one? Yeah, uh, he definitely has some of my favorite hair in the league. Uh, so uh, I have long hair, uh, obviously. So I, I appreciate hair. Um, so I like that. It reminds me of like the '90s. If you look at the boy band covers of uh, Backstreet Boys and NSYNC, he's got that. Like he could, he, he looks like he came straight out of a, a teen magazine in the '90s when we were growing up. <laughs> so I think it's funny. Call him boy band. I'm higher on him than you. Uh, Deuce is higher on him than both of us. He really likes Sabonis. He was a huge fan of his dad Arvidas when he was with Portland. So mm-hmm. I think it kind of transferred over to his son now. Deuce likes Sabonis a lot, but. Uh, yeah, I was. I'm with you. Like I, we texted. I'm like, what, what, what's going on with the Sacramento? Like this is, this is a big Eddie sense at all. Like Halliburton was, you had a good thing going with Foxy and Halliburton. I mean, maybe they would have moved off of Foxy eventually, but yeah, I, I think Halliburton they got a steal when they took him in the draft. Like I, I mean, I know you would love. He, you wish he was on your Knicks right now. Yeah, especially with the way they can't score to save their life. Besides Julius Randle holding the ball for 20 seconds. Uh, they could desperately need Tyrese Halliburton, and I like Obi Toppin, and you do too. Uh, they would be better off with Tyrese Halliburton. 
So um, the, the, the Kings got a steal with him and to just give him up. And like you said, I don't really see where this team's going. Like, I, they're just really, really awfully managed. And they just continue to do that. Like, ever since those early 2000s Kings teams that we really liked, you know, the the Mike Bibby, Doug Christie, Peja Stojakovic, Chris Webber, Vlade Divac teams that were in the conference finals, ever since that, they've just been a, a disaster, man. They took a nosedive, and they haven't really recovered since. So I don't really know what they're doing. I don't know how this trade makes them better. I would even argue to say they probably got a little worse after this trade. Just if you're thinking about, like you said, I really like Rashawn Holmes. I think he's a great player. Uh, in terms of, I think he has great potential, I should say. I, I like him. He plays hard. But like you said, I don't see the fit. It looks to me like it's another situation where it's almost like Turner Sabonis light, but in Cali you now instead of in Indiana. You know what I mean? And I don't get, like you said, you paid Holmes. So all you're doing is getting a guy that's going to, you know, uh, you know, clog up the lane down there with them. So, and I like Sabonis a lot. I think he's better than you think he is, but I just don't get the fit. I don't really, I don't really see what they're doing. Um, so I'm, I'm low on this one too. It was one of the trades that didn't really make any sense to me. It makes sense from, for Indy's standpoint to get how to get Halliburton, Halley's comment, like I like to call him. Um, who has the potential to be an all-star for sure. He could definitely be a, at least uh, an elite shooter in this league. You know what I mean? He can be, he can be, at the very least, a Seth Curry, like a, a sniper. You know what I mean? Great scorer can put up buckets. You know what I mean? So, I don't get it. I, I don't. I don't like. I don't even know what the Kings are doing. They're just one of those. They're kind of like a running joke between me and you. Or it's like, God, what are they going to do now? They just, I don't get it. And I, I like, I'm a huge uh, fan of Foxy. I know you like Foxy a lot too, Deer and Fox. Big fans of him. I, like I even said, uh, I, I thought maybe they could have, uh, Philly could have entertained maybe trading for him and maybe getting something. Uh, maybe Philly should have asked him, hey, give us Fox and give us Halliburton. You know what I mean? And we'll give you, we'll give you Simmons and some other stuff. Maybe, you know what I mean? But anyway, it's a whole different thing. But I'm low on it. It doesn't make any sense. We both agreed that uh, the Kings just—I don't think they have a direction. They're just going to continue to be in the lottery every year and do your favorite thing, which is take small guards. They're a team that has so many guards. I mean, they traded some of them away, but they'll just recoup in the draft again. We both know that. <laughs> That's what well, they and they traded for they traded for Divincenzo right after that. Oh yeah, yeah. We'll get to that one. They traded for. Uh, the red our guy red sauce with the red sauce yeah. kicks that he wears Dante DiVincenzo. they traded for him so there you go it's like oh buddy heels out okay dante come on in yeah <laughs> it's like exactly. a, it's like a revolving door of a guard so i don't know I, just, I, I agree with you and everything that you said it's just i don't know sacramento is just kind of a disaster man and they're just going to continue to be they were very poorly run a franchise i, I would love to see them get bought by somebody who knows what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, maybe even like a Magic Johnson and has a group he puts together and they buy the Kings. You know what I mean? Something like that. And they move somewhere else, move them back to Seattle. Something like that. That That's what I would say would be best for them. But yeah, I don't like the move. I think it, uh, to use one of our favorite things, I think it stinks. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, well, we'll see. Maybe they'll prove us wrong, but if history tells us anything, probably not. So the last big one I really want to talk about um, is a trade between the New Orleans Pelicans and the Portland Trailblazers. So the Trailblazers sent C.J. McCollum, uh, Larry Nance, and Tony Snell to New Orleans for Josh Hart, Thomas Sadoransky, D.D. Luzado, which I will admit even the hoops guru doesn't know who that is, um, and uh, Nikhail Alexander-Walker, um, plus a, a 2022 first-rounder, heavily protected first-rounder, and two second-rounders. What did you think of this trade, homie? Uh, another one? I, I don't really get it. Uh, well, Portland just, you know, they have no, they had a fire sale, so... Mm-hmm. Um, which I do want to, if we could, I want to talk a little briefly about what we think about the Clips trade as yeah. well. But um, these are the three major ones. So, yeah, they had a fire sale. They just got rid of everything. So they're they're going nowhere fast now. I, I like, like I said, I'm huge, huge Nasir Little fan, like we've talked about. Huge fan of him. I was a really big Simons guy. I liked him a lot more. It seems like you're starting to come around on him a little bit. Yeah. no, I like I mean, Simons. Well, um, he looks good. Yeah, I like bouncing Greg Brown if he could actually get some minutes. Maybe he will now that the team's depleted. But uh, I don't, I don't really see what they're doing in Portland. Like they're saying, like, oh, we want to blow it up and build around Lillard and Simons, which you're like your favorite thing, little guards, small backcourt. I don't get it. Uh, so that's that. So Portland is a disaster. But from the Pelican standpoint, I'm trying to figure out what they're doing. Maybe they're trying to get some more scoring. So they can be competitive with Ingram and McCollum, which is obviously a great scoring tandem. But I've heard people say maybe they did it so they could show Fly's eye that hey, we, you know, we we got you two all-star players. You know what I mean? To pair with you whenever you come back. Hopefully it's soon. And you know, you should sign with us because we're we're trying to build around you. You know what I mean? We're trying to make this work here. So it seems to me like a last-ditch effort. Uh, I think I think Griffin is a horrible GM. Personally, I've said that several times. I think he's awful. He should have got canned, I think, last year. And I think if and when Zion doesn't sign back, he's going to get canned, I think. Rightfully so. But maybe that's what they were doing. So, I mean, uh, I, I mean, McCollum's a great scorer. He doesn't really play defense, which is why <laughs> you're not very high on him either. But I, I like CJ McCollum. I think maybe he could be better there, but I don't really get the move. It's one of those moves where it doesn't really do anything for me because it doesn't make any sense. Like it would have been like if a contender would have traded for McCollum that needed another score, dynamic score, then I would have said, okay, that makes sense. You know what I mean? But for a team like New Orleans that I, I think they might be lucky and find a play-in spot, maybe they'll be scratching and clawing for one. I don't really get it personally. Yeah. No, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of with you. When I first saw the trade, I thought it was a win for, like, at, my first reaction was like, oh, this is a win for Portland um, for a couple of reasons. They got off CJ's money. He's owed about three years, 75 mil. Um, so he's got a lot of money on that contract. Like you said, they need to get off some of this money. They, they Neil Olshay signed a bunch of bad contracts. And it seems like the current GM uh, is just trying to get off of it. But what I thought they were they had traded for was the, all the players, Josh Hart, you know, 
plus two first rounders and a second rounder. Then I find out, okay, it's only one first rounder. And that first rounder is, I believe, I could be wrong. I'm not like a cap expert or anything. I believe it's one of these where it's lottery protected. So if it falls outside of the lottery, it moves back a year to 2023 and then it's lottery protected then. And then if it doesn't fall in uh, all outside the lottery, they just lose it. I'm pretty sure. So in essence, it seems it was basically a money dump. Um, and the fact that it, they, they sent Larry Nance too, who I think is a good player, just kind of confused me. Um, now the, the Blazers did get a lot younger, um, which I think is what they should be doing. In my opinion, they should also get rid of Dame and just start over um, at this point. Um, but they're going to try to build something around him. Um, they already have his successor in Simons. He, he plays a lot like Dame. He looks really good when he's out there running the point. Um, but on the Pelicans side, I, I also don't like really get this. Like, is this, is CJ McCollum the thing that's going to make you from barely a play in team to a legit respectable team? I don't think so. Uh, he brings shooting, which they need. He brings a little bit of playmaking, hurts their defense, but their defense has been better, so maybe they can afford that. But they shipped out um, Hart, who was um, who I'm a big fan of. He's on my fantasy team, and he he does great stuff for me on my fantasy team. One of the best rebounding guards in uh, in in the NBA. Um, a solid secondary scorer and playmaker, good defender. Um, so yeah, it's just weird to me that they've now gone from this young team to a team who's paying pretty big money to two 30 year olds in, in Jonas Valanciunas, who is also a very good player and CJ McCollum. But I don't know, this team just doesn't seem to fit to me quite honestly. Like they, they're not a great fitting team. We'll see what happens. Maybe when Zion comes back, all this stuff like connects in a way that I can't foresee. But yeah, I don't know. It was just kind of a, it was just kind of a nothing to me. Like I don't really feel any differently. I was, you know, it, it signals, you know, that and this next trade we'll talk about signals that Portland is is making some pretty big moves here and and really trying to get off money and rebuild around Dame, I guess. Um, but yeah, it was just one of these where, yeah, I would have thought McCollum would be better suited on a contender that needs some perimeter um, shooting and, and and you know, shot creation. Um, so yeah, I don't know. We'll see. He's been, he's been putting up buckets since he got down there in New Orleans, so I can't knock it too much, but I just don't feel like this moves the needle for New Orleans really at all. Um, so I'm kind of with you on that. Um, but while we're on the topic of the Blazers, they had made a, some moves earlier in the deadline. They basically traded Norm Powell, um, who had like three years and a bunch of money on his deal, and Robert Covington, who I think was going to become a free agent, um, for Eric Bledsoe, Justice Winslow, Keon Johnson, and a second rounder to the Clippers. Um what do you think about this one? I, I'm, I'm curious. I, I love this move. I thought it was great. I think it's a, a really 
you get some more, a little bit of size, you get a little bit of scoring here for when you're missing, obviously, your two best players were, you know, George and Leonard. I think it takes a little bit of the pressure off of Mr. June, Reggie Jackson. I would have liked to see them. Uh, I wish they would have given up Morris in this trade. Instead, they would have worked him in some way because I think he just, like we said, he's kind of a shot chucker. He doesn't really add too much for me. And they live and die with him. So they can, they can give Coffee and Batum some more run here a little bit and to see some of the rookies. But, I mean, I, I think it's – I really like this trade. I think – I like it because I'm looking at it if and when – you know, post-apocalyptic P and the Walking Dead come back. This is going to be this is a championship roster, at least in terms of depth. Like this is a great lot of depth. You're thinking about what Zubak and guys like that. You know what I mean? What Nicky Bats doing what he does. You know what I mean? He can he can shoot, he can stroke it, but he also can be a, like irritating on the defensive end as well. You know what I mean? So I mean, I like I like this move. I think Covington is kind of underperformed last year and this year. I want to see him play better. But I think with Powell, they give you a little bit on the defensive end as well. I think it's a good move, and especially considering what you didn't give. You didn't give up very much to me. You know what I mean? It was kind of, it's kind of like a no-brainer to make this move. So I really I loved it just because not necessarily saying the players are going to be life-changing, but if you're trying to win a title and you're in a win-now mode like the Clips are and will be for a long time as long as Kawhi and and Paul are there, I think it makes a lot of sense to me to, to make this move. And you get off of Bledsoe, too, which me and you were not very happy with that trade. We didn't really get it. We were just like, really? That's the trade you made? I don't, I don't get it. You know what I mean? So to get off of, off of Bledsoe, too, I, I think makes sense to me. But what about you, homie? Yeah, I mean, I thought this is a great pickup by the Clippers. Um I mean, they, they didn't give up anything. <laughs> they, they, they got rid of a couple guys who weren't going to be on their team next year. So this this one, if, if, if the McCollum deal wasn't a salary dump, this sure as hell is. Um, they basically just gave them Norm Powell and Robert Covington. Now, Covington, you can have some debates about whether he's still a good player. But, I mean, it's just a wing who just has to sit in the corner and shoot threes. I think – you know, he's he's fine. Now, Portland traded two first-round draft picks for him, which looks bad, but that was an Olshay thing. And this new GM is not, you know, he's not, he can't be blamed for the mistakes of a previous GM. So people might say, oh, you didn't get enough back for Covington. No one was trading first-round picks for, for Covington. Now, Norm Powell, maybe. Um, but, you know, Powell's on a big contract with, you know, three more years. Um, so the clips are going to be way over the luxury tax line, but you know, who doesn't care about the luxury tax is Steve freaking Ballmer, the strangler who the has strangler, more money. Yeah. yeah he'll he has he'll more be choking money people. Than... He has, he's going to be choking people, grabbing them by the shoulders and shaking them in the playhouse. That's all he cares yeah, about. <laughs> that's all he cares about. So even if, you know, worst case scenario, Kawhi and Paul George don't come back this year, They've got some good pieces next year, um, some really good pieces. So I thought it was a solid move. Um, a couple other quick hitters. Um, Karis LeVert was basically traded for Ricky Rubio, a first-rounder, a couple second-rounders. Um, there was a big four-team trade where Serge Ibaka went to Milwaukee. Um, DiVincenzo went to Sacramento. Uh, a couple players went to the Clippers. Uh, I believe it was Rodney Hood and Semi Ojale. Um, Marvin Bagley went to Detroit. 
Um, so that was kind of, you know, some, some role players moving around. Um, Derek White from Spurs went to Boston for Josh Richardson, Romeo Langford, and a first rounder and a pick swap later on. And then uh, Porzingis was traded from Dallas to Washington for Dinwiddie and Bertans. Any any notes on any of that stuff? Like, are, are, do any of those stand out to you as good, bad, stupid, <laughs> smart? <laughs> uh, I'll try to go quick on these um, just because we don't want to talk about them, you know, for hours and hours. But uh, I like the Levert trade for Cleveland. They're obviously saying, hey, we, we got something going here. Let's try to push it. So I like that. Uh, like I said, I like. I think Bickerstaff's doing a great job this year. Should definitely be in Coach of the Year voting uh, if if they continue to play as well as they have. So I like the Levert trade. He gives you obviously a, a nice playmaker. He's a dynamic player. Give you some scoring. He showed some potential, especially after that Brooklyn trade. You missed some time last year, obviously, but I, I think I think it's a good trade. I think it makes Cleveland better. Um, I love the Serge Ibaka trade for basically you didn't really give up. And he, he didn't really lose too much, I think. Uh, obviously, we like DiVincenzo because he wears the red sauce uh, kicks. You know what I mean? Italian guy, we like that. But uh, I think you're not really losing that much for what you gave up to get Serge Ibaka, which is going to be really helpful, especially because we don't know what's going on with Brooke the Hook. You know what I mean? he's missed. He hasn't played since the first game of the year. So that's going to be a lot of front court help for Yanis, especially when we get to the playoffs. You know what I mean? Uh, Ibaka might not be the guy he used to be when he was with OKC, but I think he's still a serviceable player. We saw him kind of on the come up this year. Last year he had back problems the whole year, so uh, it's kind of almost ironic that they they acquired a guy who had back problems last year for to replace a guy who has back problems this year. Um, so, but I, I like the move. I guess first considering what you gave up, it wasn't too much, and I think it, I think it makes them significantly better. And this is a playoff move to me. This is a depth move. So I really love that one. Um, the Porzingis trade, I think it's a great move for, for Dallas to get up off that money. Like neither one of you were really, really big fans of Porzingis in terms of the way he plays. I, there wasn't really a good fit with uh, Doncic there. You know what I mean? I didn't really see that working. So I think it's a great way to get up off that money and also get something where, you know, you get a, you get a guy who can be um, a contributor for your team. So I think that was a, a good move. Uh, one of the ones that was surprising to me a little bit was the the uh, Joe Ingles getting shipped off. I know he's out for mm-hmm. this year, but that was one that was kind of interesting to me. I'm like, wow, they kind of shipped him up. I know he's a little bit of an older player, but, I mean, you got Nikhil Alexander-Walker. So I think, I mean, it, it's, it, it makes sense, but it was surprising because I wouldn't have guessed that they would have just got up off of him. You know what I yeah. mean? for uh you know to to get somebody else so that was the one that was interesting to me and uh i've we've run the gambit here but my last one i'll say that uh i, I thought was interesting to me um dinwiddie i think is a solid player i mean whatever you can do to get up off that money you do it but you got a, a nice player but the one that i liked as well or i don't know if i i'm kind of undecided about this one was uh the mantras herald trade for the hornies yeah mm-hmm. um they definitely needed a big but they Got a big technically, but he's not a big. You know what I yeah. mean? He's like not ben the right Wall- kind of he's big. Like ben Wallace yeah. size big. Like he's six nine. You know what I mean? I believe he's six nine, and he might even be shorter than that. He's he's a big. He plays a big, but he's not a big. So I'm like, they almost did what we wanted them to do. What we thought they should do. So I mean, and they didn't give up, you know, a huge amount for him. Not really. 
So I get it, but I would have liked to see them maybe go after a Marvin Bagley. Would have made a little bit more sense to me. But Harrell mm. is a good scorer. You know what I mean? He's 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 obviously got a high he's a high motor guy, and he can give you buckets when you need him. He can play defense when he needs to. So I mean, I think I get it. I think for just giving up Ish Smith, who was seemed like he was a fan favorite and stuff like that, it may I get it. But I mean, I'm not. I'm kind of in the middle on that one. Uh, and then quickly for teams, I think. I would have liked to see the Bulls maybe get Marvin Bagley. Deuce was just so disappointed when they didn't get him because he thought they were going to. I would have liked to see the Bulls get some more some more bigs. They're very very thin in the front court, and they're very very their depth is thin as well. They need guys who can score. So I would have liked to see them make a move of some sort. Didn't have to be a huge one, but with some of the moves we saw, you know, getting made, I thought they maybe could have did something. But uh, yeah, that's my my quick takes, I guess, on everything. But what about what about you? What are some of these ones that stood out to you? Yeah, I mean, I thought the Levert trade made sense. Um, you know, the Cavs desperately needed another perimeter player who can create his own shot. Um, you know, get into the lane. Um, so I thought that was a good move. Um, Ricky Rubio was gonna is gonna be a free agent. He wasn't gonna play the rest of the year. Um, so giving up a first rounder to kind of trade him for Levert, I think it's, it's a risk well worth taking. Um, the Porzingis for Dinwiddie and Bertans to me, is just like a nothing trade. Porzingis was not good and was on a bunch of money, but they basically traded his contract for two contracts, half the size. So like the same value, I guess what I've heard is this, you know, they'll, they think it'll be easier to trade, you know two smaller contracts than one big contract. But Dinwiddie for me is he's been really disappointing this year. He's had a really tough year coming back from his injury. Bertans has been terrible. I mean, he, he was, you know, he's pegged as like an elite shooter um, and he doesn't do anything else and he hasn't even been shooting well. So I don't think Dallas got gets any worse or better, but I do think they get a, you know, I don't know, a not great personality out of the locker room, a guy who seems to complain a lot, a guy who seems to get in Luca's way quite a bit rather than help him. He can't stay on the court too. So. Yeah, and he can't and he can't freaking play ever. So you're play, you're paying this guy to play half to two thirds of the game. So I get it. Um but yeah, otherwise, you know, the Montres Harrell thing, yeah, just you know, great fit with Lamelo with the way they play fast, um, you know, up and down. Um, but you know, their whole thing is like they need some size because they're playing PJ Washington as their backup center, and then they go and get a guy who's like the same height as PJ Washington, right? Who who doesn't offer the same kind of floor stretching stuff. Um, so We'll see. I do think like he can bring a lot of energy and can help them. They're on a they're on a little bit of a skid here, so hopefully he can turn things around. But yeah, I thought you know there were some interesting moves, but nothing else really like super, you know, impactful really besides you know the big trades that we talked about. So yeah, looking forward to seeing how it all plays out. Um, but yeah, let's let's go to our 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 next hoop segment, and we can oh. do this one. Yeah, really quick, quick, homie. Uh, uh-huh. Quick thoughts on the Iblaka trade. Quick thoughts on that for Milwaukee, and uh, maybe one one team that you thought that you would have liked to see make a move but didn't. Yeah, the Ibaka thing is, 
I don't know. I, I, I'm of the opinion that if you're not playing Lopez, when it matters, you should be playing Giannis at the five and, and Portis at the four. I think he, I think while Lopez is out, Ibaka gives you some good minutes. Um, I don't think he's a guy you want to rely on in the playoffs, to be honest. Um, but cause I think when, when it's, you know, crunch time, you want Giannis at that five spot um, and, and Portis out there as well. If, 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 if Lopez isn't going to be there. So, you know, I think it's, a, he was a nice piece. You know, they weren't going to, they weren't going to sign DiVincenzo to big money. So, um, you know, things they could use him now because Connaughton went down and George Hill's been out. And, but um, I think in the long term it made sense. The team that I was hoping would make a trade, um, I mean, my Knicks, oh, <laughs> they stink. Stunner. Stunner. They're awful. <laughs> They're awful. I would have loved to see them try to do something to make themselves better, anything. But, um, yeah, I just don't think there were that many moves for them. And I think what I didn't want them to do was make a panic trade, trade for Westbrook or something like that. Right. Like I didn't want them to freak out because they're not good and do something dumb. They have a bunch of contracts that are going to be up in a year or so of veteran players. They got some promising core um, with Chicago. I my understanding is that they would have had to give up Patrick Williams to get a, another guy and they're pretty invested in him and they think he's going to come back. Um, you know, they took him number four. So I can't blame them for not wanting to give that up. Um, I was thinking maybe they can move Kobe white or something like that, but then they, now they really need Kobe white cause all their guards are hurt. So I'm not devastated. I don't think there was a big man they could have gotten who would have exponent or in any significant way raised their ceiling. I think, um, you know, I just don't think they were going to be in the market for someone who was a game changer at the four or five spot. Maybe someone who could help a little more, but none who was going to change them from being, you know, uh, maybe a a, a a surprise final, uh, Eastern Conference finals pick or something like that. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of where I where I fall with them and. I think right now they just need to try to get healthy and, and see what they have when they are healthy. And, um, you know, maybe this off season, make some, make some moves and make some adjustments. Um, but yeah, let's, let's like do a real quick hitter on some, some NBA all-star picks. So, you know, the all-star weekend, they have a bunch of different events. Um, so, uh, you know, we're just going to, pick who we think are going to win each of these events. Um, so there's a couple there. It, it's kind of fun. They do a bunch of different stuff, not just an all-star game. Um, but let's start with, um, let's start with the rising star challenge. So this year they have 28 players um, who are in the rising star challenge. Um, 14 first year players, rookies, 14 second year. No, what is it? It's 12 first year players. 12 second year players and four players from the G league. Um, they ignite, which is the G leagues like developmental team where kids can go straight from high school onto the, onto the G league team. Um, so they're all kind of broken up into a couple of different teams. And I don't want to go through like the complete rosters of each team, but it's basically the best first year players and second year players. Um, 
and yeah, let's just pick some our our, our proposed winners and our MVP. Um, do you want to kick things off? Yeah, I can I can kick it off. So for the for the rising stars, I went with Team Peyton. So mm-hmm. Gary Peyton's team, and I uh, I picked either I picked Lonzo Ball to be the MVP. I didn't think he was going to actually play in this now that he's an All Star, but it looks like he still is. So I'm going to go with Lonzo. you mean Lamella. My bad, Lonzo, Lamelo Ball. Excuse me, Lamelo Ball. I didn't think he was going to be in this now that he's an All Star, but it looks like he still is. So I'm I'm going to go with Lamelo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my bad, my bad. What about you? No, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, he he. I think pretty um, clearly is the to me at least. Maybe besides your, your you know our guy Steady Mobbin is the best player in this yeah. uh, mm-hmm. in this game, um, but. Yeah, I, I actually I picked the same one, Team Peyton. Um, I think between Lamelo, um, they also have a bunch of they have a bunch of good players on that team. I mean, all of them do, but they got our guy uh, Io on there. They just, added, they just added Kuminga to take over for yep. Norte. Yeah, Kuminga, who's been great. Oh, they're they're <laughs> crazy athletic. Scotty Barnes, they are super athletic. And and this kid Scoot Henderson from the G League Ignite, like I don't pay a lot of attention to like high school ball and all of that stuff. This kid's supposed to be the real deal. I've heard him compared to like Derrick Rose. Um, so you know, really dynamic rim attacking point guard. So I'm I'm really excited. So he'll be to in see. the league. He'll be in the league next year. Get drafted. So yeah, our guy Duarte. So yeah and and yeah it's the mvp is going to be Lamelo if they win he's going to be the guy running the point and running the show um so yeah i agree with you there that's that's i'm, I'm glad we i'm glad we mind synced on that one um so yeah uh you know we'll, i'll just kind of go in order of the schedule events but a kind of cool thing happening that's new this year is called the nba and hbcu classic basically Two HBCU, historically black colleges and universities, um, are going to be playing against each other um, in in All-Star Weekend. It's going to be Morgan State University and Howard University. Um, I'll go go first with this one. (laughs) Me and you both said, like, we don't know. Like, these are not, like, the big Division I teams, right? Like, you know, they're they're, – it's kind of arbitrary. I'm going to go with Howard just because that's the one I've heard more about. I know that it's like around DC. Um, I know it's a very, very good, prestigious HBCU, maybe one of the best in the country. Um, so I went with Howard on this one. Um, but yeah, who did you take? I also took Howard. Yeah, they're in DC, yeah. a very prestigious HBCU, and their logo is really dope. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that's basically the Buffalo I, Bills logo, very similar. Yeah, huh. exactly. There, yeah. It's it's not something I I think I'll watch at like two p.m. or like at noon Mountain Time is when it's happening, um, but you know I'll I'll watch the highlights on YouTube and stuff just to see you know what it looked like. Maybe it'll start a little um, tourney. Maybe they'll do like a little eight game tourney, eight team tourney yeah. or something. Maybe we'll see. Yeah, that would be cool. Um, well, and then in the evening we have kind of the, the three non All Star big non all-star game events um so the first one is the taco bell skills challenge so this is the one where like it's kind of silly looking when you watch it it's like they basically like have to dribble up and down the 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 court and like throw a ball through like a little hole and then like shoot a three-pointer um it's the skills challenge 
Um, they're do they are changing it up this year though, in that they're doing teams. So it's not just one player competing. And so the three teams, which I kind of I thought this was funny. Um, they have three Cavaliers because it's in Cleveland. So they have Garland, um, Mobley, and Allen on one team. <laughs> they have the Antetokounmpo brothers, uh, the Antetokounmpo's uh, on the uh, other team. And then the third team is three rookies. So um, it's Josh Giddy, Cade Cunningham, and Scotty Barnes. So like a kind of eclectic group for this um i'll start this one off i for this one i went with the rookies um because they have three guys who are ball handlers three guys who can pass three guys who can shoot um you know no offense to the younger on brothers but skill is not the word i'd use to describe them <laughs> um, uh, and you know garland's a good player and mobley is very skilled very 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 skilled player but Allen is, again, like maybe not someone I would call skilled. Very, very great defender, but like I've never really seen him dribble the ball. <laughs> you know, he's a great big. He's just a great big. Yeah. Great big, yeah, but not a big in the way like you know Sabonis or Jokic or like these really yeah. skilled yeah. bigs are. Yeah. So I, I went with the rookies on this one. Wanted to give some love to uh, your guy uh, Josh Giddy, um, who who has been really good this year. Who, who torched my Knicks the other night, by the way. Um, but, yeah, who, who did you have for this one? Yeah, he got me a triple-double in fantasy. So. Yeah, there um, you go. Yeah, I was wrong on Josh Kitty. Uh, he looks like he's the real deal. I, I was I was skeptical just because of uh, – we, we've rarely seen a guy from Australia, you know what I mean, that has yeah. been – that's lived up to the hype in terms of how high they've been drafted. I keep thinking, like, bad things of Andrew Bogut. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he went number one. I mean, it was a bad draft, but he was not a number one pick. But yeah, Giddy's the real deal. So I was wrong about that. The koala, he's great. But I'm happy to be wrong. I took Team Brooks as well. Um, yeah. Bet, if you're talking about best overall playmakers, ball handlers, and shooters, uh, if Giannis's brothers were at one uh, iota of his talent, I would. I wanted to pick. <laughs> I wanted to pick the Greek freaks, Team Greek freaks, but uh, no, nah, I couldn't do it because. Yannis is amazing, but the other two guys, if they were average NBA players, I would take onto the Compo brothers because, you know, Yannis is the best good. player in the world yeah. to me, but they're they're not. So they're like barely hanging onto the roster here. So I went with the Rooks. I just think they they got the most skill, especially for a challenge like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Those all three of those rookies are, right. are it's gonna very be a fun skilled. One. Yeah, it's in, gonna be a in fun multiple one. areas, yeah. So and the that, same thing with Allen. Allen's not a shooter. Mobley can hit it, but he's not consistent enough with it yet, even though he's amazing. And uh, Garland's good too, but I went with the team that that was the most balanced for a competition like this. Yeah, totally. I'm, and yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it is like with teams. That that's I'm co- I'm glad that they changed things up from year to year. It makes makes things a little refreshing. Um. The three-point competition. Now, this was the one I had the most trouble with um, because there are there's eight players in it, um, and they're all very good three-point shooters, every single one of them. Um, so this one was basically a toss-up for me. But, yeah, why don't you start? Who did, who'd you go oh, with you uh, to, on this one? You want me to go first? <laughs> yeah, I want you to bring him. Yeah, this was, this was a tough one, man. I almost yeah. agonized over this one. So really quick, I'll just drop the names. 
uh, CJ McCollum, yeah, oh, yeah. Trey Young, Zach Levine, Desmond Bain, uh, Carlos Antonio Pueblos, Carlton Towns, Freddie Double V, Freddie Van Vliet, mm-hmm. Luke Kennard, and Patty Mills. So uh, this is a tough one. They're all great players, all great three point shooters. I just went. I went with. Uh, I went with Carlos on this one. Ah. I took Carlos. Uh, he's obviously the biggest guy in there, but he's just such a good shooter. And I'm just like, you know yeah. what? I'm just gonna go with the guy and who I know. This is almost like you know, pull a name out of the hat and your guy could win. So I just went with Carlos. Yeah. So I'm gonna give the. Yeah. I'm gonna go with the guy, the Latino guy. So Latino love. Well, so. We're absolutely synced this episode, homie, because I I chose Cat as well. Really? Um, wow. You know, my you know my logic for this was so dumb because yeah, like you said, they're all good. So my logic was this was like, well, he's tallest, so he's closest to the the rim height wise. So, yeah, I went so with the, the I went the Latino connection, and you went with he's the tallest guy. Yeah. <laughs> so no 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 like skill or expertise analysis in this at all. <laughs> so. Yeah, like so people who really like scouts and people who really really know about like shooting and shooting mechanics have a lot of thoughts about this. And like there are certain guys who take longer on their release, and 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 those guys are disadvantaged. I don't know about any of that stuff. So like yeah, I'm not I'm not pretending to be like an exercise physiologist here. Um, Towns, he does look like he has a really quick release. Um, he's not a guy who jumps a ton because of how tall he is. So I think he can just get those off really fast. And he's tall. I don't know. <laughs> that's that's it. Um, but yeah, that, that'll be a good one. Um, it's cool to to I mean, they're all just there's so many good shooters in the league now. Um, it can that one can go anyway. Um and then, yeah, the dunk contest. This one has a smaller group. Um, Cole Anthony uh, from Orlando Magic. Greg Anthony's kid from the Knicks. Uh, Juan Toscano Anderson from the Golden State Warriors. Obi Toppin from my New York Knicks. And Jalen Green from the Houston uh, Rockets. This was kind of an interesting group to me. All really young guys. Um, maybe not some of the people you would expect. We have, you know, bemoaned the fact that the dunk, dunk contest isn't what it used to be. You used to have absolute stars competing. You know, your MJs, your Dominique Wilkins, uh, Vince Carter, um, you know, LeBron James, those kind of guys. But these guys are all good dunkers, so I'll give them that. But I'm obviously going to go with my guy, Obi. I mean, I, I watch enough Knicks, and while it's it's painful to watch them, I mean, he has some real legit in-game dunks where, like, he's getting oops or, um, you know, on a fast break and do a huge windmills, 360s. Between the legs, I've seen him do. Um, I was watching him in warm-ups. I went to a Nuggets uh, Knicks game, which I talked about in the last episode. Um, and in warm-ups, he was doing all sorts of wild dunks. So I'm going to go with my guy, Obi, on this one. Who do you got? Um, well, Show some more love to another Latino Hooper in Juan Toscano Anderson. Mm-hmm. So I'll give him some love, but I would have I would have rather seen the mitten in this because the mitten's yeah, got hops. Or too, yeah. who I really wanted to see in this was uh Jonathan Kuminga. Oh my god, I would love to see Jonathan Kuminga. Yeah. So I was very disappointed. I'm like, man, that just makes too much sense. So Kuminga, yeah. I would have loved to see in a dunk contest. So I mean the fact that Golden State has three guys that could be dunk contest guys is Shows how crazy athletic the team is, but totally. uh, I'll give 
I can give I can give a one word answer before I elaborate. Obi. <laughs> <laughs> to quote uh, the penguin Tom Obi. Tom Thibodeau. Obi. I'm going with Obi Toppin. Obi. I call him Obi over the Toppin because he has got mm-hmm. mad hops. He's got he's got crazy hops. So uh, he second he was runner up last year. So I'm going I'm going with Obi in this. One. I'm going with your uh, your uh, New York stand up on this one for me. I'm going with Obi Toppin. So over the top. Nice. Yeah, I hope it's good. I mean, I I always loved the dunk contest as a kid. Um, it definitely has gone downhill, unfortunately. Yeah, definitely. Mostly just because they don't have the stars anymore. Sometimes the scoring is just a joke. Like the guys up there, like you know, it's guys like Dwayne Wade who like I don't know. They, he wasn't even just a not taking this. <laughs> he wasn't even I know. A he had he had some nice. Ja- yeah. yeah, he he had some he had some jams like you know when he was a younger player, but. Yeah, I would, wouldn't really even describe him as that. Um, yeah, so we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, that's, that's like a Carl. That's like a Carl Malone dunk, judge the dunking contest. He was known for laying the ball up every time at like six nine, whatever he was. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, so on the final day of All Star Weekend, Sunday before the big game, um, there's an NBA G League Next Gen game. So. That has the G League Ignite facing against the Cleveland Charge. Um, I don't watch a bunch of G League. It's really hard to watch the G League unless you have League Pass. And even so, there's so many NBA games on that not a ton of people pay attention to those games besides like scouts and, you know, people, you know, journalists who write scouting reports and stuff like that. Um, but I'm just going to go with the G League Ignite because I know they're the team that has all the really high prospect young players um, like Scoot Henderson. Um, you know, I don't know who's on Cleveland's uh, G League team, just to be completely honest with everyone here. Um, but I know the Ignite are the team with more of the younger like players who are all going to go in the top of the draft next year. And so I'm going to go with young talent um, and and, you know, Hopefully, hopefully they can sh- open some eyes to the uh, All Star audience. I'm also going with the Ignite. Uh, we've, I think, we've picked every single thing the same. <laughs> you picked, you picked Lamelo as your MVP too, right? I did. Yeah. Wow, we've picked every single thing, so it's going to come down to the All Star game. I'm thinking with the, the going with the Ignite. Um, like you said, there's so many good NBA players that come out of there, like our guy Kuminga, Ignite guy. So. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go with them. It just seems like it makes the most sense. Like I said, I'm not gonna pretend that I am a a, a huge uh, expert on uh, the G League. Like I said, it's almost impossible to watch. Uh, so I'm gonna go with them. So cool. we go to the last event. Yeah, the main event. Why don't you kick us off with this one, homie? Uh, we have Team Durant, on which Durant will not be playing, <laughs> and uh, Team LeBron. Um, if you want to go through the rosters, you know, feel feel free. We we don't have to, but um, who, who did you who did you favor in this one? Uh, I will put the rosters because we did it. We've done talked it before the last couple weeks, but uh, I will say the uh, team, uh, the basketball Baron team, the Barons team is coached by Monty Williams and Team Durant, which he won't be playing in. Team Durant in name only is going to be coached by uh, Eric Spolstra from Miami. So um, I went with uh, the basketball Baron. I went with Team LeBaron here. Uh, I just looked at his his uh, starting lineup. I think was by far the best. 
if you just look at who his starters are. So I was like, that that's gotta be yeah, that's gotta be the the best team. But um, so I'm gonna go. I went with the the basketball Baron here. What about yeah. you, homie? Who'd you go with? So uh, same same thing. <laughs> uh, I look I looked at these starting lineups, and no offense to anyone. I mean, obviously Embiid is probably the best, arguably the best player in the league right now. Jalapeno has been playing out of his mind. Um, but, I mean, they have Giannis, Steph, LeBron, Jokic, and DeRozan in the starting Good lineup. God. Yeah, I mean, this, this, Giannis, <laughs> this Giannis and Jokic in your front court is unbelievable to me. Yeah, you know yeah, I, mean? I know. It, it's it's insane. Um, yeah, you know, so, so I went with them. I think Durant did a pretty bad job of drafting his team to be honest like he i think he did too i don't know yeah. i just i don't wiggins? know he, like he, he took wiggins i wouldn't have taken wiggins because you got to start him you know what i mean so i wouldn't have drafted him because you have to start him yeah yeah so yeah it, it was wild um for my mvp oh, people are gonna it. get really are we gonna get people everything gonna get right it. this will be the people first time are... this will be a helmets hoops and homies podcast first if we get every single we'll see. right I don't know if we're going to get this one right. People are probably going to get sick of me picking the same person for all this stuff, but I'm picking my guy, big honey, Nikola Jokic. Um, I don't know. I, I just, I'm imagining him throwing alley-oops to Giannis behind the back through the leg passes to Stevie on the break. Um, you know, all that stuff. Um, lumbering down with his long arms uh you know all, all this stuff i love to see from him he probably is not gonna win all-star mvp but sometimes homie you gotta follow your heart so that's what i did here <laughs> dude nick the pick we love nick the pick on the show um see i was gonna do like you did and i was gonna pick you know our guy but you know i love you know yannis is my guy I, I thought you were gonna the take Yannis. the greek freak you know you gotta ask him if you're gonna take a photo of him he's that type of dude man. Photo? he's that dude <laughs> best player in the world to me i was gonna go with yannis but i'm like you know what people are listeners and like God, he always picks yannis he loves yannis i do but he's amazing though how could you not so i went outside yeah. the box here i went hometown i went hometown i went shy town love here i went with nice. uh, the marvelous yeah, the marvelous DeRozan. Uh, after I just watched him against San Antonio, drop forty like it was nothing. That mid-range game is absolutely amazing. I finally got to hear Stacy King call another game, so I was happy to see that. Nice, he was he was in top form as usual. So I'm gonna go with the marvelous to, for some some Chicago Bulls love. He's just been uh, crazy hot lately too. And uh, Stacy King was even talking about why is he not in the MVP discussion anymore, which he should be. I think he should be. Yeah. So totally. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the marvelous, the marvelous, the Rosen. Yeah. Give me the hot pick. sauce. That, Give me the hot that sauce, be, homie. That would be an awesome, awesome story. Um, you know, it's in Cleveland, not you know, in the mid in the Midwest, Great Lakes area, so not too far from Chicago. Um, yeah, that that would be great. Well, we'll see. Um, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe we'll see Andrew Wiggins win. <laughs> that, would be, that would actually be pretty <laughs> hilarious if he did. And I would be happy for yeah. him too. So. Yeah, yeah, good, good for him. Um, all right, cool. Well, that'll wrap up our segment. So we were only the only thing we were off on was our yeah, MVP. See. So pretty, but pretty we were close. almost on it because you picked your guy. I was going to pick my guy. So we almost yeah, did. Man, we did. Yeah, that would have been dope. But oh well, we got close. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, that that was great. Um. Looking forward to you know watching some of this all star stuff, um, and then yeah, getting getting yeah. into the second half of the and, regular uh, season. We will uh, 
we'll we'll recap it next week and we'll we'll do a fun thing where well we pretty much pick the exact same team. So we'll see who got the most points and see who wins. But basically all it's gonna come down to is who wins all-star game MVP. <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So to see who wins. So basically, that's going to say who wins is who wins All Star Game MVP. And if we're both wrong, then it was a tie. So, yeah. There, there you go. go. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been a, a great episode. We've got one final thing to do, of course, before we close it out for the night. Uh, we got to talk about our slime balls this week. So um, the sports world brings us all sorts of slime balls, scumbags skeezies, uh, whatever you want to call them, rapscallions, uh, no good doers, shysty, uh, shady people. Uh, um, yeah, so we're going to each pick someone who was particularly a big slime ball this week um, and, you know, give it to them. Let them have it. Um, so I'm going to let you kick this one off, homie. All right. So mine is uh, I, I did a I did a double dip here because they kind of go hand in hand, especially now. So my uh, my slime ball of the week, my slime balls of the week, uh, is uh, World Be Flat, Kyrie Irving, the, the the as he calls himself, the leader of the Flat Earthers, the Nets, and uh, Ben Simmons, or like we call him Wallaby. Uh, so <laughs> Kyrie Irving, uh, he pretty much made it because it seems like he single-handedly destroyed that big three that they had, and that's the only reason why Harden wanted out is because he he hates Kyrie Irving which uh, joined the club, because I feel like a lot of people do. I think he's a he's one of those guys, he's just doing too much. You know what I mean? Uh, he doesn't really he doesn't really respect the game, I think, like he should. You know what I mean? He's very talented. I'll never take that away from him. Great, talented player. Probably might even make the Hall of Fame. But uh, he doesn't have the work ethic that I like and like players that I tend to enjoy to watch. You know what I mean? He's just not really the type of dude. And also, he said he called himself a leader. He's like, "Oh, I'm just trying to be a leader." I'm like, "Leader? I'm like, you only play half the games." Leader of if the flat that, earth. If that, yeah. <laughs> like, what are you like the flat earth convention leader? So he only plays half the <laughs> games, and then he didn't want to do something that he didn't want to do something for the betterment of the team. Which you know, you can have your own thoughts on it, but if you were really invested and you were really a leader, then you would have said, "You know what? You gotta do what you gotta do." Andrew Wiggins did it, and that was yeah. a religious. That was a religious reason why he didn't do it. Uh, Kyrie Irving, I feel like, just didn't do it because he just wants to be contrarian. You feel me? So, like, if it's another reason, it's okay, it is what it is. But for that, it just seems like he just wants to be that dude who's different. He's a thinker. He's an artist. You know what I mean? I'm like, bro, you're a hooper. Like, you get paid tons of money. Hoop now. Do your stuff in the offseason. And then when you're retired, which your season, your career don't last long, then you can do whatever you want full time. But right now, you're getting paid tens of millions of dollars to be a, a professional basketball player. And use that to your advantage and use your platform that way. You feel me? So, like, he, he fails to realize that if he wasn't a professional basketball player, he would be irrelevant. Like, nobody would care who this guy is. And that's just the way it is. You know what I mean? I hate to put it that way, but you know that's the truth, man. Even when guys retire, nobody talks about him anymore. So, I, I, just, I, don't, know, I just don't vibe with him. I just don't really like him. And I just feel like the fact that he called himself a leader was – I laughed out loud when I heard him say that. I'm like, this guy is <laughs> – and uh, funny thing was, I don't remember who said this, so I can't credit them, but they were like, yeah, him being such a great leader is why James Harden's not on the team anymore. <laughs> so yeah. He goes, yeah, his great leadership skills kicked James Harden out. So, yeah, and we talked about Harden, he forced his way out, whatever. But I, for this one, I can't really blame him too much because, I mean, who would want to play with Kyrie? So I, I don't really I don't really get that. And then Ben Simmons, just because he was like, oh, 
I'm not in a good spot mentally. And then he's right away. He's like, oh, I'm ready to play. I'm ready to go. So pretty much he was just like, I don't want to play for Philly. So just be real and say, yo, I don't want to play for Philly. Don't say, oh, I have problems, whatever. And maybe he will. But at the same time, don't come up like, oh, I was talking to, you know, Slim Reaper and this and this and that, and I want to play. Like, good luck. Good luck with that personality cast, man. That's why I'm not as high in them as you are. I wasn't really high in the big three nets. But Kyrie Irving's my slime ball. He single-handedly did whatever he could to sabotage their any chance they had at a championship this year. So congrats for him for that. He's a moron. And Wallaby Simmons, uh, basically, he's a dude who doesn't talk about it or be about it. He talks about it, doesn't be about it, where it's like, oh, you know, I'm in a bad spot. Oh, I'm back in another team. Okay, I'm great. Let's do it. So uh, with that personality, with a guy who's fragile, at least he's a little bit soft, like we said, and a guy who who knows if he's ever going to show up. You know what I mean? He could, he could leave you at the altar with Kyrie Irving. Good luck. That's why I say, Kevin Durant. If you can win a title with these two guys, then then you, you're gonna you're gonna jump into the greatest of all time. I mean, you're already kind of there, but you'll be you'll be regarded as a hero in Brooklyn, probably. Yeah. So, those are my slime balls: Kyrie Irving and nice. Ben Simmons. Yeah, hard to disagree with that. Maybe they'll end up rooming together, and they can. Oh God. Um, they can, yeah, you know. maybe maybe Ben Simmons will be a flat earther too. But uh, yeah, yeah, so we're we're gonna call the Nets, you know, jokingly the flat earthers from now on. So. Yeah, well, yeah, we I think the listeners know our our nickname for Kyrie is yeah. World Be Flat. World be flat. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good one. Um, that's funny. You went with the with the hoops one. I usually go with the hoops one, but this this week I'm going with the pigskins pick. And this one is uh, this one is um, I don't know, maybe a stretch, but maybe not. But I I had to talk about it. So my slime ball of the week um, is Eli Apple uh, on the Cincinnati Bengals. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Yeah. So a little history about Eli Apple. He was drafted high by my Giants, uh, I think around somewhere between 10 and 15. Um, played on the Giants for a couple of years and was a constant headache um, to the Giants, consistently getting into arguments with teammates, with coaches, um he was called a cancer to the locker room by landon collins who was their captain um and and best defensive player um and his mom even started involving herself in matters which made things worse you're a grown man making millions of dollars and your mommy has to fight your battles for you give me a break so i didn't like this guy to start giants eventually trade this guy to new orleans they decline his fifth year option I think he gets picked up by Carolina. They drop, they cut him pretty quickly. Signs a one-year deal with Cincinnati, earns a starting spot. Yeah, it's fine. He's a starter. I wouldn't say he's a great quarter cornerback by any means. Um, I don't think he's even the best cornerback on his team. I think Awuzie is far better than him. Um, in the weeks leading up to the Super Bowl, this man who can't really even stick on a team, can't get anything more than a one-year contract, starts just absolutely running his mouth and talking all the crap. So after they play Kansas City and beat them in the AFC, he starts calling out um, Tyreek Hill, who, say what you will about him and who he is as a person, is just a different class of player than Eli Apple is. And McCole Hartman, Hartman, who... Is not a great player, but still, I would argue better than Eli Apple. So he starts make, uh, making fun of both of them, and then he completely 
craps all over the fan bases of New York and Saints. He said they're the two worst fan bases in the league. He hates them. He go, even goes on to say New Orleans food is terrible and it smells awful. It's just running his mouth, saying nonsense. Um, yeah, and so he's riling all these people up. Well, if that didn't make things worse, him running his mouth, he went out and got absolutely freaking cooked by Cooper Cup um, in the Super Bowl. Cup scored both of his touchdowns on Eli Apple. Um, he just, just roasted him on the first one. Uh, like, I don't even think Apple knew where the dude was. And then he's the one who can, who committed – he's one of the three players who committed – a pass interference penalty um, in the last uh, when the Rams are on the goal line to score the touchdown and go ahead. So he he grabs Cup, you know, moves the, moves the Rams up even closer, and then the winning touchdown pass goes to Cooper Cup against who? Eli Apple. So this guy who couldn't stop running his mouth all week gets freaking toasted. And the best thing about it was. The entire NFL Twitter went to town on this guy. Um, Tyreek Hill, here's a list of folks who burned him on Twitter. Tyreek Hill, McCole Hartman, Michael Thomas, Hollywood Brown, Lamar Jackson, Rashawn Bateman, CJ Gardner-Thompson. That last one was his former teammate who, who can't stand his guts. Um, so they all go and roast him on the internet. They were calling him, uh, you know, Burnt apples, uh, apple pie, apple baked sauce, apples. <laughs> baked apples. It's hilarious. Um, and and he totally had it coming to him because he is a guy who has very little talent and runs his mouth like he's a top corner. So the cherry on top of all this is one internet reporter, you know, takes a dig at him. She's like, I'm covering the Super Bowl, which is more than could be said by, you know, Eli Apple or something like that. You know, just a little little pun, not nearly as offensive as some of the stuff these other folks were saying. And his mom goes at this lady on the internet, on Twitter. His mommy is still freaking fighting his battles for him because he can't stop running his mouth. Um, and I just think it's, it's hilarious. He's such a slime ball and he's not even good at what he does um so yeah my my slam ball of the week is eli apple um i hope the uh i hope the Bengals can him uh, and replace him with someone better than him uh and yeah if he even gets another nfl job i'll be surprised he seems like just you know to 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 pardon my french he seems like an absolute dipshit so <laughs> we'll, we'll you know that so yeah that's my slam ball of the week homie Eli Apple, I never would have guessed that one, my guy. He got, yep. me, he got me surprised there. Yeah, yeah. Um, you could also say he uh, he dropped a, a sure interception against Kansas City that would have won the game, basically. Yeah, they would have just yeah. kicked the field goal right then and there. So you could say he even did that. Mm -hmm. uh, I can't, I can't be too upset about him going at Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill always likes to chuck the deuces, which kind of gets on my nerves sometimes. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, whatever you know, it is, it is what it is with that. But yeah, the other stuff, nah. It's like, man, you're not even on that level. You're not on that yeah. level, my guy, to, to be talking no, that, much, that much nonsense. Mm. So yeah, and uh, yeah, he didn't uh, he didn't play very well in the Super Bowl. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> no. So he yeah, did not. A, a well deserved slime ball of the week. Yeah. All right. 
Well, you want to close this out, homie? Yeah. Well, that was uh, that was our show. It was a uh, had a lot of a lot of good stuff, a lot of great conversation. We appreciate you listening to us as always, and we'll be back next week to talk some more hoops, and we'll find some pigskin topics to talk about. There's always something to talk about. So we appreciate right. you and thank you for listening, homie. It's always it's always fun. We'll do it again next week. Yeah. Thanks to all the listeners. Um, Thanks for tuning in. Uh, hopefully you find the show entertaining, if not uh, smart or insightful, um, but hopefully both. Um, but yeah, hopefully uh, everyone can uh, tune into the all-star game and, um, you know, we can get back into, into the hoops regular season and yeah, we'll find some, some picks and stuff to talk about. Um, well, good night, homie. Uh, this was a good one. Uh, great up. Uh, and yeah, we'll talk to everyone next week. All right. I'll talk to you later, homie. All right. Peace out.